Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. It's Jeremy White. It seems like for those of you that had old Nintendos, you pull the cartridge out... You blow in it, and you put it back in. Like, See yes. if this works. Yeah. And sneaky Joe DiBiase. The PlayStation 2 memory cards were the same thing for me. It, it did somehow always work. You never had a regular Nintendo, Josh. No, I did. My you... first my first game system no. was a GameCube. Old? What was I thinking? I ain't old. The GameCube was not regular I Nintendo. I'm talking about the actual first Nintendo. Boy, I can teach you guys some things about video games. I'm going to give you a phrase. You tell me if it means anything to you. Up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA, start. We're not so different. You and I. Let me let me ask you if this brings anything to mind. Wave dashing. No. Okay. See? What's that? Different times. Smash Bros. You're listening to Jeremy and Joe on Western New York Sports Giant. WGR Sports Radio 550. Hey, good morning. It's Jeremy and Joe. I was off yesterday. What did I miss? Anything good? Anything bad? You missed, uh... Bobby Babich. You missed... My final day of uh, Whole30. I wanted to ask you about that. Yeah, welcome back. I'm, I'm back. You can have... I got my big old sugary coffee right away, just to undo everything I just did in the last 30 days with uh, four toffee nut syrup shots wow. in, this, uh, in this venti drink here. Four toffee nut syrup shots. That's, that's what it came with. Blonde espresso. Yeah, wow. undo it all. So Whole30 hey. is no sugar. No sugar. No gluten. No, no like added sugar. No added yeah. sugar. Okay. No fake sugar. No, no, uh, nothing processed is basically the theme of it. Can you have for a month? Like grains? No. No. Uh, gra- not really. No. Okay. I could have like cauliflower rice during the month, uh, but that's kind of it. It's just basically meat, fruit, vegetables. That's yeah. Like it's like ninety five percent of it, pretty much. How'd it go? It was very hard at the end. Was it effective? Yeah. Yeah. It was very energy levels are awesome, not just because of the uh also uh four espresso shots that are also in this Holy drink. This cow. thing this thing's a monster. I, yeah. Uh that I just ordered. Um no, it, the energy levels are awesome. That worked great. Lost a couple LBs. Uh you know, just th- that's pretty much it. Hmm. Feel like a, a, a nice reset. Yeah. Pretty much. You know, like where like you you have like a pizza sounds like a good idea today, and then okay you do it, and then the next morning or like that night it's just like Ugh, I don't want to do anything. Yep. Not having that feeling for a whole month, that that that's that, that's always a good feeling. So you're doing so, you did that for a month. Are you still on cold showers? 
No, I, I bailed on that. Okay. Or I just kind of forgot about that and then just remembered and then like, nah, I'm not going not gonna to do that again. <laughs> the, the, I was doing that really up until it got cold. Right. Which maybe is when I should still be doing it, but no. And you called it psychotic, I think, at one point anyway. So. Well, I mean... It, it, I thought it was working. You were seeing how long you could stay in the cold shower each day and, like, upping the time. Yeah, pretty much. But you don't, you're not supposed to do it for more than, like... What does Chris Trapasso do it for? For, like, three minutes? I think mm. that's, like, the max you're supposed to do it for in either a cold tub or a cold shower. And I think I got up to, like, a minute 15. And then that was uh, that was about it. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there are health benefits. I'm just... Oh, no, the th- no thanks. The thing on TikTok is the, uh, is the cold plunge. Like, everybody's... Everybody's cold plunging. Stone Cold Steve Austin now is becoming, like, a big uh, cold plunge guy. Although he is very much... If if you could believe it, if there's anybody in the world you wouldn't think this is true of, the biggest chicken when it comes to cold plunges is cl- Stone, Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> like, couldn't make it through 30 seconds in his first attempt at it. Wow. Yeah. It's a really funny video. Definitely uh, definitely worth a gander. Well, maybe, uh, I was going to say, maybe I'll check it out. It would have to come to me. I'm not, I probably won't seek it out, but maybe it'll come to me. Stone Cold Steve Austin in a cold plunge tank. Yep. Like on his porch, on his deck. That's where people tend to do it, right? Outside, most he's of the time. He's got, like, a lodge-looking thing hmm. or something. So, like, he lives on a ranch, maybe? So Sounds right. So, like, the, the place that he's in almost looks like a log cabin that he's got this that he's got this, uh, this tub at. So, gotcha. Did you give it a shot? I mean, yeah, I don't know. I think I've, I might have done one polar plunge before, you know, where you raise money and you go out and you jump in the lake. You jump in the lake. Yeah, yeah. it's really cold. Yeah. I feel like I did that once when I was in my high school or something, but that's about it. Okay. Yesterday, I was off yesterday. I went to the Exploring More with my kids. There was a class field trip, so I took the day off to be the parent that goes on the class trip. Nice. Yeah, it's fun. Every time we go there, it's a reminder that there's you know a lot of cool stuff for kids to do there. And Nice. You know, cool to be downtown. My son saw the ice at Canal Side and asked where the Buffalo Sabres were. That's pretty much how that works. Uh-huh. He sees ice. He wants to know where the Buffalo Sabres. Did you have a Did you have a snarky answer ready to go on? Uh, I on that one? simply said they've got some time off. Here. Okay, they've got right. some time. All right, off. That's, that seems fair. Yeah. Uh, one thing yesterday that I found to be interesting, and we're going to check in with Brian Koziel coming up at six thirty about this. I mean, no snark at all. I'm, I'm not being snarky. Mm-hmm. I love to be snarky. Not snarky. It is Josh Allen golf season now. It is. Where yeah. we now watch Josh Allen play golf. Yep. Because we see how his, we see how his swing is doing. Yeah, we, yeah. He's at Pebble Beach for the Pebble Beach Pro-Am. He's playing with Keith Mitchell again. He got paired up yesterday with Brady. Or no, today. Today he's in the same yeah. pairing as Brady. He's in a pairing yeah. with Brady. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> that must be terrible. Uh-huh. But you, you want him mic'd up, though, right? I want to hear. I, wanna hear. I don't know. I don't think so. What Josh say smart and funny things, and Brady tell the same four jokes. Yeah, you know my 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 distaste for Tom Brady is too powerful. I can't I can't see through it. So I did learn one thing about Brady though. In recent uh, days, there was a video that came out. He he might not be surrounded by yes men at the very least. Did you see the video of his buddies or his entourage? I should say no. Going to a petting zoo with Tom Brady and one guy in his entourage. You know poking fun at him where they passed like the goat area of the petting zoo and he pointed to him and said hey tom there's the mahomes exhibit that's nice i like that tom kind of looked like 
he was not happy about it. But the, not not around Yesman, I guess. Well, but he's still not. See him on the McAfee show. This dude is not going to be a good broadcaster. No, he's not. And he's talking, by the way, like he is going to do it. He's talking like. He's I still do think it. there is no chance. Uh, whatever. I shouldn't say no chance. I still think it's highly unlikely that Tom Brady remains in our lives on a year-to-year basis as the number one broadcaster in the sport. He won't want to do it. Do you think he tries it, or you just don't think he'll do it long term? He might try it, but I I don't think there's any way he really wants to do it. What does he want to I mean, you know me. I love to psychoanalyze Tom Brady. He wants to be as appreciated and loved as Peyton Manning doing it. I don't think he would do it unless Peyton Manning were doing it. Like I saw yesterday, I never knew this happened, that right after Joe Montana retired... He attempted to have a career in broadcasting in the booth. You know how long it lasted? Nine games. Yeah. And that was it. Wouldn't surprise me at all. Didn't like it at all. I'm I'm out. I'm not doing this. Speaking of Brady, Mahomes, Montana, Goat, I've got got awesome instant trivia slash a couple games to play with this. What is the number one? Let's let's start here. Just on that. I mean, I I wasn't going to get to this yet, but let's. The number one thing we should look at for who the GOAT is, is it just how many Super Bowls won? Hmm. Anybody give me a call. Eight, give us a call. 803-0550. If we're deciding who will be the best of all time, shouldn't we all universally decide the thing we will look at first? Is it just Super Bowls? Is it postseason touchdown passes? Uh-huh. Is it... I mean, Brady has them all, right? Brady has... The most passing yards of all time. Yep. He won in his 40s. His his career in his 40s is a Hall of Fame career. Yeah, he had three Hall of Fame careers. Yes. Yeah. So for Brady, if, if Mahomes plays until he's 35, shuts it down, and has one less Super Bowl, and goes out on top because he's like, yeah, I'm fine. Is that better? I'm here to listen to mm. almost any of it being better than Brady. And that's where I'm really torn. I don't know what to do with this because, of course, it's happening on the Bills and on Josh, Josh Allen's watch. You know, the Brady goat career, the Bills could never kind of get out of their own way. Mm-hmm. And now that the Bills are good, I don't want anybody to do that again. No, I right. I don't want Mahomes doing this. Even if it would be funny to watch Brady squirm around as he's losing his status on being the greatest quarterback of all time. Which is already happening. Yeah. People are already yeah. ready to crown, some are, ready to crown Mahomes the best of all time. Andy Reid is getting a lot more love now because Reid's won with multiple teams and multiple franchises, multiple quarterbacks. Brady, though... You want to get stat of the day on the de- out of the way right away? Yeah. All stat right. of the day is brought to you by Seneca Gaming and Irving, home of the biggest bingo payouts and slot machines with thousands won daily. Okay. Here's your stat of the day. You already mentioned Joe Montana. Yeah. Postseason touchdown passes. The gap between number one and number two, Tom Brady to Joe Montana and Aaron Rodgers are tied. Okay. The gap between number one and number two, in all-time postseason touchdown passes, is equal to the gap between number two, Joe Montana, Aaron Rodgers, and Mac Jones. <laughs> I don't know if that's sad of the year. That might be sad of the month, though. Let me <laughs> give you the pretty, actual pretty good. numbers of it. The gap between Brady and number two is 43 touchdowns. Is it... Is it possible that's more than the total for number two? Number two has 45. It's almost. Yeah. It's almost. The gap between one and two is 43. Wow. 
The gap between two and Mac Jones is 43. That's incredible. I spent time yesterday trying to find a quarterback that has two. I was going to say, you spent, <laughs> and Mac Jones ended up being the, the best name for that? I only searched three names. Okay. And this will give you, this is another fun game that we could play if you want. Who's the funniest player to have only two postseason touchdown passes? Or who's the right person to use for this? Step? Yeah, because Mac Jones is pretty good. Who's the first person you would search to say, I bet that guy's got like two postseason touchdown passes? I would search like. Hmm. Like, did TJ Yates throw two wow. touchdowns when he. Didn't he start like a game for the Texans? And one. I'd be. That's where I would start. Those. Those run of really bad Houston Texan quarterbacks yeah. that would play on Saturday against the Bengals. T.J. Yates has one postseason oh, touchdown pass. Come on, T.J. You were Skyler so close. Skylar Thompson. Ooh, wow. I don't think he got any. Right? None. None last year. No, I don't. Th- I mean, he was terrible in that game. He was. Skylar Thompson has one postseason touchdown oh. pass. So Skylar Thompson and T.J. Yates together. Um, I searched Tyrod, thinking. You know, maybe he got in in a game somewhere. He's been around. He's got none. Because, the, yeah, and they didn't score a touchdown right against the Jaguars. Right. Yeah. I searched Baker Mayfield. He has 10. It's pretty good, actually. It's not, it's not that bad. Baker, right? yeah. Baker we had yesterday as our stat of the day. He's the only quarterback. Well, hold on. Let me set this up again. If you look at the last quarterback to win a playoff game with each team, Baker's the only guy that appears twice. Tampa and Cleveland. Oh, okay. He's the last playoff win for two different franchises. He's the only person that has that. Um, who else would I want? Did, like... See, I also would want to see, like, is anyone really good? Only and really two. underachieved? Like, did like did Philip Rivers start all those playoff games and somehow only get, like, two? Is there a guy like that on that list? No, probably not. What about Carson Wentz? Wentz would probably have more. I mean, Rivers has 16 mm. postseason touchdown passes. How many playoff games did Carson Wentz play? Like one, because it was all Nick Foles during his time. Even even that second year after they won the Super Bowl, I think Wentz ended up not playing because he. Oh, you're time. right. Wentz has zero. Never threw a touchdown. No. Okay. Never never threw a touchdown. He never really even played in the postseason. He went one for four in a game. That's it. I can tell you every right now definitively every quarterback throughout NFL history that With has exactly two. two uh, Exactly two passing touchdowns, and you mentioned Mac Jones, who is probably going to be pretty tough to beat here. The funniest answer? Yeah. Todd Collins is another name on this list. RG3. How about Tyler Huntley? Okay. Tyler Huntley has two. Uh, Daniel Jones. Mason Rudolph. Oof. Did he (laughs) throw two against the Bills? He must have. Mitch Trubisky has two. Case Keenum. Brock Osweiler. Okay. Here's this is maybe this is, this the, is name. the answer. This might be the answer. Tim Tebow. Okay. There you go. I Tim, like it. Tim Tebow. So the gap between number one and number two, Brady to Montana Montana, is the same as the gap between Montana and Tebow. <laughs> there we go. That's, that's how far ahead. That's the tweet right there. Now, on that, it just kind of gets back to the conversation about what would it take for Mahomes to be the GOAT in some eyes? Mahomes has thirty nine. Second place is forty five. Mahomes has 39 postseason touchdown passes. And he's only only 28 years old. And after this Super Bowl, he's going to have, what, 41? Yeah. Yeah, He'll he'll have a couple. He'll move in in number two all-time in postseason touchdown passes next year. Yeah. So what are the chances? There's a lot of different numbers to track down. 
the seven Super Bowls to track down, the passing yardage, all of it. But postseason touchdown passes might be one he can track down. He's pretty much halfway there. Hmm. I'm looking back to like there's like the fancy number stuff too. Was it Kevin Cole that did his quarterback goat series during the offseason? He already had he was looking at what like adjusted yards per attempt stuff and EPA stuff and he had he had Manning already number one above yeah. Brady. Yeah. And I'm trying to find where he would have had Mahomes. Mahomes doesn't have the longevity yet. I might wanna you know, if we were to ask him, I bet he might tell you he had Mahomes number eleven. But he might tell you his pace is that he'll be the best quarterback of all time. Yeah. I mean, he he is doing in terms of, like, wh- why is Brady number one right now over Peyton Manning or Mahomes? Super it's, Bowls. It's Super Bowls, it's it. right? It's, it's, it's accomplishments. It's, it's Super Bowls. And Mahomes is on track with that. Like, if he, if he wins next Sunday, he'll have his third Super Bowl by age 28. That's exactly where Brady was at. So he's not going to play as long as Brady. I, I'm assuming. No, hope, nobody else has ever done that. Right, we so. hope. Yeah, like it would be a st- another statistical anomaly if he played that long. But he right now is on pace to match Brady in accomplishments and Super Bowls if he wins on Sunday. And two, he's putting up numbers in the first five years of his career that Brady wasn't sniffing when he first entered the league. Yeah. Like he wasn't, he was great. He was very good, maybe, but he was not throwing 5,000 yards and 40 touchdowns every year like Mahomes. You know, I don't know what his average is. Maybe it's lower than 40, well, Brady, but it's higher than Brady's was. Brady had a 50-touchdown season the year he got Moss. Mahomes had it in his first year, right? First, and he did have Tyreek Hill and Kelsey when sure. he Sure. Oh, I'm not saying anything other than he did it early. Yeah, right. Mahomes yeah. had 50 touchdowns in, it was, was his first or second full season? No, it was his first full season. His yes. first full season, he went to 50. Yeah. Like, wow. Mm-hmm. 5,000 yards, 50 touchdowns. And Brady, it took till his, like, sixth year to kind of have that monster season. Yeah. Seventh year, even. I mean, Belichick even said it last week or two weeks ago, uh, probably further back. It's when the Bills were, yeah, maybe a month ago. When the Bills were playing the Patriots, he compared Allen to Brady and said, of Brady, early on, he wasn't what he became. He was a system guy. He was just, you know, he was a glorified game manager to a large degree. I've been on this station long enough to remember when we would debate about whether or not Brady was a system quarterback. That was a thing that really <laughs> happened. He was two Super Bowls in, and it was very much like the talk would be about if Brock Purdy won. Although the difference would be that Brady never had what Purdy has right now. Brady had guys, but it wasn't Christian McCaffrey. It was Kevin Falk. Yeah. And it wasn't you know Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. It's Troy Brown and... Terry Glenn was, was Dion Branch there yet? Maybe. At some point, Dion Branch was in there. Terry Glenn, Sean Jefferson, maybe. I'm not so sure. You're saying like when I he, might be too far back in my Patriots. When receivers. he won his first Super Bowl, like because when you just said that, like, oh no, that sounds right. Like sixth round pick, yeah. That and versus Brock Purdy was Mister Irrelevant, and okay, they won a bunch of games, but I probably would have been thinking the same thing of, well, this guy's only good because of the team he's on. He's not actually, he's not actually that great. Like he's fine, you know. He maybe is uh, the game manager type, but look, his first year he had he started 15 games. He had 2,800 yards, 18 touchdowns, 12 picks. That, I would have absolutely been saying this guy is just he's just a guy. He's just, he's a, just guy. a guy on a team that might have an amazing defense, and maybe give Troy Brown a little credit. He had 1,200 yards that year. Maybe he wasn't elite, but pretty good. Joe, on the way to their first Super Bowl, 
David Patton had some uh, big numbers. On the year. way to his first Super Bowl, in Tom Brady's first postseason, uh-huh. you know how many touchdowns he threw? Full postseason. Like, was it was it two? One. That he, whole first that the whole, first whole thing. postseason. He threw one touchdown pass. Hmm. Against the Raiders, the game with the snow and the, the tuck the rule. Tuck rule. Yep. He threw for three twelve on fifty two attempts with one interception, no touchdowns. He did run for one. Against Pittsburgh, twelve for eighteen, one hundred fifteen yards, no touchdowns. I think he got knocked out of that game. And then in the Super Bowl, sixteen of twenty seven, one forty five, and one touchdown. Imagine a quarterback throws for 16 of 27, 145 and a touchdown to win the Super Bowl and beat anybody. That's a system quarterback. And again, like the storyline at the time was the Rams, who were the absolute wagon, best show on turf, mm-hmm. Kurt Warner, Torrey Holt, Isaac Bruce, Ozzie Hirakim, maybe in that year, Marshall Falk. They knocked off that team with a great defensive performance. Ty Law had a pick. You know, it was a massive upset. They were double-digit underdogs. They won. He threw for 145 and a touchdown, and he was the MVP. Yeah. Does it also matter to you at all, knowing that even if it doesn't, there you know, the debate shows and then your buddies arguing about this will have this in their back pocket uh, for one side of this? Does it matter to you that Brady beat Mahomes head-to-head in a Super Bowl? Because he does have that. Yes, he does have that. Like he can always, that Brady can always have some solace in. You call him the goat all you want. I played him in a Super Bowl and I beat him, and I smoked him. He did. I mean, that Mahomes didn't have an offensive line, and his receivers were dropping passes left and right. But Brady's got that. He beat him at forty. At forty four, how old was he when he won that Super Bowl? Forty three, whatever. He was in his forties, and he beat Patrick Mahomes in the fifty. Was that the 50-touchdown season? That would have been, right? No. No, in the second year. 50-touchdown season is the season they beat him in the AFC Championship game. Okay. Oh, he's beat him twice then, right? Yeah. 20, so Brady's 2-0 against Mahomes in the playoffs. He beat him in an AFC Championship game, and he beat him in the Super Bowl. Yes. I mean, the, that's, that's tough the, to beat scoreboard, right? In the AFC right? Championship game, they did win a coin toss. Yes. And that's yes, it. They, yes, they did. They won a coin toss. Mm-hmm. But he's going he's gonna to claim scoreboard on that, right? I mean, he already claims that the league is not as good as it used to be. I just like you have to do when you become an old timer that steps out. You have to say it was better when I played. I miss this more than I miss the uh, the Aaron Rodgers discourse over the year, though. I must say, Brady. Yeah, he can he can come back into the limelight a little bit if he's stealing it from uh, if he's stealing it from Rodgers. I'm okay with that. Yeah, eight oh three oh five fifty on Brady Mahomes. I've got. Another game with postseason touchdown passes that I think you're going to like. It's a fun game. We'll play a little bit later on. We've got some stuff to get to. Brian Cozio is going to join us next segment. We'll talk about Josh Allen. It feels like we should be covering Josh Allen playing golf. It is Josh Allen golf season. So mm-hmm. he's playing at the Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Fun fact about the Pro-Am yesterday and about the – we'll talk to Brian about how it all works. Mm-hmm. Practice rounds versus now it's underway. Yesterday there was a video that went around of Tony Finau – hitting driver on the ocean hole. Did you see that? Yes. yes. So the conditions yesterday were terrible. Crazy wind, awful, coming in off the bay. And there was also a video of Allen's partner, Keith Mitchell. Mm-hmm. His, he's standing over his ball to putt it, and the wind blew it off the green. A, like a stationary ball. After it had stopped moving? He stood over it to make a putt, 
and the wind blew it backwards and off the green. That's how crazy the wind was. That's golf. Back, back, that's golf right there. That's your favorite kind of golf. <laughs> back to Tony Fino. So Tony Fino's on the ocean hole, and the wind is coming in right in their face so much. He hits a driver to yeah. try and get it to the green. If you want to know how far that hole is, maybe you know it's number seven, uh, six. It's number six, the ocean mm-hmm. hole. Go through my, my head here as I do it right. Yeah. No, it's number seven. Sorry. Six is the par five. It's seven. It's seven. I'm seven. looking at it right now. Six yeah. is the par seven. five that goes up on the shelf. Seven's the par three. Eight comes back across the ravine. So I played Pebble three years ago, I think. On that ocean hole, do you want to know what club I hit? Tony Fino hit a driver because into the wind. You're also hitting, like, it, you're hitting not quite off a cliff, but you're going it's, down. It's downhill. It's, it's not, downhill. I would not describe it as a insane downhill. Yeah. Okay. It's a downhill shot. Joe, I hit a 50 degree wedge. <laughs> a soft 50-degree wedge. Uh-huh. Yesterday, Tony Tony Finau right. hit driver into the wind. Which, what is he? Does he average like 340 that's, on his driver? Right, that's the other part of it. It's not me hitting driver. It's this dude hitting driver. Knockdown driver into the wind. Me, 50-degree wedge, nice and soft. That is that is wind. If I'm out there on the course, I'm, just, I'm walking inside. You love the wind. Oh, I'm give me saying, a, let me see what I can do out there. You're gonna get wind burn on your face. That is that. That is the uh, that's the Patriots playing the Bills in 50 degree winds. I'm yeah, Mac, and right. I, and I'm Mac Jones. So I got a chance. Now. You might have a chance to. I beat. might have a chance. Yeah, we could win this game in a fluke way. Let's go. Eight oh three oh five fifty is our number. You can give us a call. We'll talk with uh, Brian Cozyholt next. If you want to, you know, follow along. The Bills are tweeting out how to follow, how to watch Josh Allen. He's playing at the Pebble Beach Pro Am as he has before. It is Josh. Allen, golf season, and, uh, you know, hey, whatever, we'll watch. Bill's also posted a video of him. It was number 17 on number 17, him hitting on the 17th hole, mm-hmm. which is a longer par three, and I would imagine it has to be a two-shot three. Like you, it's it's a yeah. long, I don't know, might, might be like 180, mm-hmm. maybe 190, and if that's into the wind, that's a two-shot par three. All right, we'll get to Brian Koziel. We'll get to plenty of football stuff. Got lots to get to you. I want to talk about the pressure on Brandon Bean in this draft because I do think we are at a different spot with Bean right now going into this draft, and I'm, I'm ready to get a, a a talking point going. You let me know how crazy it is on how much pressure Bean's going to feel to draft a receiver because the pressure will be off the charts by the time we get to the draft. We'll get to that. We'll get to Brian Cozio as well, preview this Pro-Am, talk with him about the conditions, the format, how it all works as we get set to uh, you know, watch Josh play some golf at the Pro-Am. Jeremy and Joe, Josh Schmidt producing. Give us a call if you'd like. Wide open for you on a Thursday here on WGR. I love this album so much. I remember where I, where I was when I bought it. When I bought it. Where I was. Did you wait in line? No. This the Killers. This is hot fuss. I bought this way before Way before it was cool. That's how cool I am, Joe. Jeremy and Joe, good morning to the Western <laughs> Hotline. Yeah. I bought it way before it was cool. So we were just mentioning in headlines, was Jason Pominville the last player selected uh, in his all-star draft? He was not selected last by Team Alfredson. Luke Adam was also selected by uh, Team Alfredson. I guess... That's when, like, rookies were still going. Remember the Young Guns game? Yeah, yeah. That was still happening. That's how long ago that draft was. There was still a Young Guns game. And way back then, Brian Cozio was still doing Sabres postgame. Good morning, Brian. Good morning. Yes, I think 
Were they a playoff team with Pominville toward the end of his career? Maybe not at the end, but. Not on the second stint, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Brian, we got you on a couple things. We had someone requesting you talk Orioles sale, but let's. We got you on to talk a little golf this morning. I, I said, in not a snarky way, it's Josh Allen golf season. Like, we're going to check in on Josh Allen playing golf. And the Pebble Beach Pro-Am is the highest profile event that, you know, we, we get to see. So for anyone out there that maybe sees these highlights, let them know the format, how this all works. You got um, players getting amateur players that are not professional golfers paired up with professional golfers. Then you've got guys that are out there to actually win it. Uh, it is a work environment for these golfers, even though it has the look of a little bit Bob Barker, Happy Gilmore, right? Like playing in in, uh, in that kind of setting. Yeah, it it's um, it's an event that they call pro am, meaning that there are pros, like you said, playing, and this year playing for a big purse. Um, this year, this AT and T Pebble Beach Pro Am has been ele- has been um, raised to what the PGA Tour calls one of their elevated events, which means the top big names are all playing and, you know, including world number one, Scotty Scheffler. So you've got a lot of the big names that, uh, you know, you would recognize from the PGA tour that will be there. Um, Jordan Spieth will be there. Justin Thomas will be there. Rory McIlroy will be there. Uh, you know, Shoffley, Cantlay, Finau, that, you know, the, the group that, you know, you probably would recognize they're all playing in this event. So that part of it's raised because the purse has raised and become one of those elevated events. Now the pro-am piece of that is that there are amateurs that go ahead and play alongside these professionals and are partnered up. Josh Allen, as you mentioned, playing with Keith Mitchell. Um, for those that don't know about Keith Mitchell, I guess I would call him just kind of a, you know, a middling PGA Tour player that probably most of you would not have maybe heard of unless you watch the PGA Tour regularly or if you're in like a fantasy golf league. But Mitchell has become more popular in Buffalo in terms of people knowing who he is because he's played with Allen the last, I want to say, three years that he's played in this. Um, this year, the format changed a little bit because of its elevated event, and they wanted to, uh, you know, some of the golfers, you know, and I guess I could understand it, have chosen in the past not to play in this event because there is extra that goes on with having the amateurs. The rounds take a lot longer. There obviously is at times some kind of, you know, Side things happening, shenanigans, uh, you know, joking going on, things on camera. So, hey, some they, of the, some of the, Brian, last year they flat out accused Aaron Rodgers of sandbagging and cheating. Yes, that's right. So Rodgers, funny, he's playing in this and is actually in the group right behind the Allen group. Um, last year came in with a ten handicap, and because of the handicap format, he and his partner ended up winning the pro am piece of it. And a lot of people were calling him out, including Allen, who kind of took a jab at it. This year, Rodgers comes in playing at a four. Uh-huh. So I think, wow, I think he got a lot better. Oh, wow. He got so yes. much better in that year. I, 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 I thought I could trust him. <laughs> I, I was so honest that I could trust him. Hmm. I know. So that's been adjusted. Uh, you know, I know shocking that Rodgers was inflating something to maybe, you know, for his own <laughs> self-ego here to win. Um, but, yeah, so they, they the, the pros and the amateurs will play. This year, the amateurs will only play the first two rounds, Thursday and Friday. So if you want to watch Allen play, Today and tomorrow is the day to do it. Uh, you know, and you mentioned he's going to be with Brady. Brady's playing with New Englander Keegan Bradley, a big Patriots guy, and you know those those four. I think will get a decent amount of coverage. Yeah, I mean, you, with with Brady and Allen right now. I mean, Allen has I I think just, you know following a lot of the golf accounts that I follow on social media, like Allen's getting as much love as any of the celebrities. There are 
a decent amount of you know NFL players that are in this. Larry Fitzgerald plays in this quite a bit. We mentioned Rodgers, Alan Brady. Um, there are going to be some amateurs that maybe you watch that you have no idea who they are, but it's like the CEO of AT&T you know, or some of the <laughs> right. sponsors. So those guys, I know, shockingly somehow get into the field as well. Right, Brian, as the event, you know, maybe it's just fully accepting that I think about it more because it's Josh Allen and I hear about it more. Has it not just elevated event for the golfers, but for the Bradys of the world? Has Brady played in this before? I think he has. I think I think there was the first time he played in it was the year after he had missed or after he had made the Super Bowl like maybe three years in a row and then he missed it and he's like oh I'm excited I the one negative of missing the Super Bowl is that I finally get to play in this he's always wanted yeah. to so I don't think he did last year um, and obviously the previous year he was in the Super Bowl with the Bucks um, but I think he has I don't think this is his debut in this event okay basically what I'm asking is it feels like the amateur high-profile amateur side of this has been growing a bit i agree with that i mean for years it was pretty much bill murray and ray romano and, and now maybe yeah, tony, and maybe yeah. tony romo did charles yes. barkley always make his way out or is that tahoe for uh, for barkley yeah barkley's tahoe i think right. i think barkley maybe is just not good enough to play i think they <laughs> they they try to keep it to the point where they're like amateurs that can keep up with pace of play and not, you know, I, I think what some of the PGA tour pros, why they hadn't been playing this event at times is that it, because it can become distracting or, you know, that round turns into like a five and a half, six hour round because the amateurs do take a little bit longer. Um, so they've changed the format a little. So for instance, like if Keith Mitchell's in for par and Allen's putting for bogey and he doesn't get any strokes on the hole, they'll just have Allen pick, pick up, up. Okay. They, you know, just for pace of play. So they've, They've, they've tried to change it around. Um, they've also eliminated one of the courses. If you've ever been out to the Monterey Peninsula, they've played courses there before. Um, they're only playing two courses this year. Pebble is going to be one, and then Spyglass Hills, the other. Um, they eliminated uh, one of the courses here, which... Um, Spanish Bay? Also will... Yes, that's right, Spanish yeah. Bay, yeah. Okay. That one they've eliminated. I think they just want more Pebble Beach. I know that TV wants more Pebble Beach. It's harder... For, for better TV coverage too, when they're spread out over three covered, when they're spread out over three courses because of just you know the amount of cables and cameras and staff that you need to do that. So I think we'll get better TV coverage too, since most of the play now will be on Pebble Beach. The forecast, I mean, it was horrible yesterday, and it's supposed to be horrible throughout, or is it mostly going to the weekend? I saw a forecast on the weekend that had like winds on Sunday. <laughs> Where it was going to be like 35 to 40 miles an hour. Um, basically, just looking at the forecast right now, it just shows chance of rain every day. Temperatures in the upper 50s. Oof. Now, I mean, would we play in that right now here? I'm sure many would, um, but it's probably not ideal from what they would want there. You know, the, the the shots that we all envision of Pebble Beach, the beautiful sunshine coming off of the ocean there on the 18th hole, like. Yeah. We might be getting some, some more uh, with rain and clouds and some wind coming in. I saw yesterday with the wind being so bad, um, not only with Keith Mitchell and Josh Allen's group where the, the flag was like basically bending sideways and the ball was moving on its own on the green, Tony Finau hit driver on what probably is Pebble Beach's signature hole, number seven, the par three that literally can play just like 100 yards. Yeah, Brian, I said earlier when I played it three years ago, it was a soft 50 degree wedge yeah and he's hitting driver and he hit driver yesterday because of the wind so 
Yeah, that's that's one always challenge about this course is that the weather could go, you know, a total 180 at any point. So um, that'll be something to keep yeah. an eye on, obviously, too. It is, of course, an event. Uh, you are one of the hosts of Tea to Green. Who do you have as a pick here? I was I got Jeff Blank, who you you, you guys also chat with. He's one of your, your your golf handicappers there on Tita Green. He mentioned if you're looking for somebody to pick, you know, maybe to bet on, looking for the battlers. Like who are the guys that grind? And his suggestions to me were Tommy Fleetwood and Matthew Fitzpatrick might be two guys that are, you know, good players, but in the conditions like this, to borrow from Kramer from Seinfeld, mutter was a mutter. Like who plays great in these kind of conditions? Is it often a European player? I would probably start with that group, and I think two of the guys that you mentioned are good. I'll give you one stat here if you're looking for a non-European. For any of the players that have played in this event uh, for more than two years, meaning they've played more than 10 rounds, Jordan Spieth has the best scoring average. And Spieth is a guy that I would say with a good short game can recover from a poor shot as good as anybody because he is a very good scrambler. He is as good as anybody in the world getting up and down with a short game. So if if the weather and the wind are issues where maybe guys are missing greens more often than not, and who's going to be the best at getting up and down to kind of keep their round going, um, maybe Jordan Spieth would be a guy to keep an eye out for. All right. Brian Koziel on the Western Hotline regarding uh, Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Uh, quickly, do you have anything, Brian, on what happened in the PGA yesterday? Like they raised, what, $3 billion in – in money from it was basically like American sports owners, right? Like I don't know if that means anything for, you know, there's that live deal that of course has been talked about for like it's been like six months now. I don't feel like it's happened. So the business side of the PGA, like how do you think it's going? Well, I think they realize that they've got to figure out a way to raise money, otherwise they're just going to continue to keep losing players. Obviously, the big blow of this off season for the PGA Tour was losing John Rob. I mean, he was definitely you know top five on the on the meter in terms of moving the peg of people tuning in and being excited about it um i still think you know the pga tour has a ton of stars and a ton of guys that you're going to be watching a tournament you may not sit there and say oh i wish john Rahm was in it i personally loved watching Rahm. i thought he kind of that fiery attitude i thought he was great um but they definitely know look we're going to keep losing guys because the fact that you know that live has just loaded with money so they had that yeah, $3 billion deal with the strategic sports group. But they, I keep reading stories that they're like a, a deal with the PGA Tour and PIF, the company that funds, the investment group that funds Live. Like any day we could be getting an announcement. Now, I doubt we'll get it over the next four days because they don't want to announce it and take away coverage away from the, from the Pebble Beach event. But, I mean, any day means maybe, you know, early next week we'll hear something more here. I think – you start Rory McIlroy softening his stance on players coming back. Um, even Jordan Spieth yesterday didn't, who has been very vocal before, didn't really want to say anything harsh about it. Bryson DeChambeau, who of course is now on live, said, "Look, anything that comes together to push money into golf to invest it to grow the game." I mean, he said all the right things. Yeah. Um, said, you know, is a good thing, and maybe it, everybody can come together here at some point. It sounds like everybody's stance is softening everywhere, which lends me to believe that maybe. We will see something very soon where they're tied together, where maybe there still are separate tours, but the ability for players to maybe go from one to the other to play in events uh, becomes a much more passable thing. Brian Kosiel on the Western Hotline. Thank you, Brian, and enjoy the uh, Sabres break. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, Detroit got a, what? They got a, a they loser got a point. last night. Yep. So it's, 
10. Is it 10, right? 10 is, the, 10. is the, the margin. The gap is 10, yep. Yes. And it's just the, the amount of teams is what is just even more. I mean, the 10 points sounds extremely daunting, but then you look at how many teams they still have to leapfrog to get to Detroit, and that unfortunately makes it feel much worse. Yep. Thanks, yep. Brian. Okay, guys, thanks a lot. If anybody wants to watch today, ESPN Plus, their main feed gets going at 11.45 a.m. and then Golf Channel's at 3 o'clock. All right. Perfect. Very good. You've got Josh Allen and Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, Paul Gasol, yep. S- Steve Young. Yep. Steve Young Alex playing with- Smith. Oh, I didn't see that. Uh, Condoleezza Rice. I was going to say, I, so I was looking at, Brian mentioned, like, they don't want, like, you know, Barclays or guys that will just hold up the course. The lowest handicap in the tournament is 16, which is Condoleezza Rice. Okay. Which is not, you know, you can keep up, I think. Well, maybe a pebble in the wind. It might be a little bit tougher. Steve Young also near the bottom of the list with a uh, with a 13. Rodgers with a 4. I know. After showing up last year with a oh, 10. Six best. Every, every club. It's so ev- unbelievable. Every golfer listening knows the person at their club that's a 4 that claims to be a 10 to win all their tournaments. Everybody sees through you. Everybody knows. Yep. That's apparently Aaron Rodgers, who wanted to win it last year so bad he claimed to be a 10. Looking at some of the others, see if there's any other names that we know. Doug McKenzie? Uh, Buster Posey. He's a six, by the way. Larry Fitzgerald, Brian mentioned, he's a six. Um, yeah, so I've got Mike, Michael McCarthy. That's not Cowboys coach Mike McCarthy, right? I don't think so. I, has he ever gone by Michael? I don't know, but whoever His it is. His full it, name is probably Michael. Whoever it is is a zero, a scratch golfer, and I just don't think Mike McCarthy is a scratch golfer. There's no way? I don't think so. There's no way. I mean, who knows? He did uh, bend Mike McCarthy, Cowboys coach. He did bend the truth when he got hired by saying he watched all the Cowboys games and then later on said he didn't. (laughs) So maybe he he claims to be a scratch golfer, too. He he would be the guy who's never actually played golf, gets invited, though, to the the Pebble Beach. He's like, so what's your handicap? I'm a a zero. Or like doesn't know how the handicap scale works (laughs) and thinks zero is bad. So he tells he's zero, shows up scratch golfer, and shoots like 200. ESPN plus 11 a.m. for coverage. You want to check out some uh, Josh Allen content. Josh Allen at the Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Jeremy and Joe, top of the hour. I'm going to dig into some draft stuff. have put a, a Twitter poll up about this. Uh, so stay tuned because, you know, the wide receiver train never stops. And I want to talk about how much that will or could affect Brandon Bean and his approach this year in the draft. 8030550 to join us on WGR. We're two people in a relationship uh, supporting each other and having fun with it, man. It's it's nothing more than that. How much the world wants to paint the picture and uh, make us the enemy, we just have fun with it. We enjoy every single bit of it. And sure enough, I, I love it when Taylor comes and supports me and, and enjoys the game with the fam and friends. It's been nothing but just a wonderful year, man. Cool. Have a good time. Did you hear the stat on how little she's even actually on TV during like these football broadcasts? 20 seconds a game. 20 seconds in a three-and-a-half-hour broadcast. Yeah. Where is the energy <laughs> to get mad at Gene Steratore for how often he's on the broadcasts? Oh, it's more because you, you know it's more than 20 seconds. It's like five minutes every game. <laughs> less, less Gene. Yeah, less energy against 
that relationship and more against Gene Steratore's existence. We just replace the time during these reviews where Gene Steratore is guessing at things or not telling us things and just just put Taylor on with a guitar. Yeah, music videos. That's it. Yeah. Let's do it. She's not going she's not going on going, uh well, I don't know here. It's gonna no, be I, their listen, call. I'd rather her give me the review analysis than Gene Steratore even. I don't want it from anybody, but right. I'd rather have have her sing it to me, song wise. <laughs> Anything would be better than Gene Steratore looking at a picture and telling you the thing you're seeing happening is not happening, which is what he did in the Ravens-Chiefs game. You're going to lose your mind when there is a controversial play late in the Super Bowl because this is on CBS, I believe, and it's going to be 10 seconds left in the Super Bowl, and Gene Steratore is going to tell us why someone's about to win or lose. Like last year we had this with the – wasn't there like a, a defensive holding something that was important? Yes, uh, James uh, Bradbury. Bradbury. Yeah, Bradbury. Yeah, we're gonna get one of those. Yeah, eight oh three oh five fifty. Twitter poll up. Is this the most important Bills draft since the Josh Allen draft? We'll get your the results of that and talk about it. I'm also seeing it's All Star Weekend. It's the All Star. We've reached the break for the All Star game, right? And NHL All Star skills lineups have been announced, mm-hmm. and not all the players are doing it. Not like not all the players. Are, Rasmus Dahlin is not in this lineup. Hmm. Last year, I think he did hardest shot. Yeah, not doing it. He's huh. not the only one because the, I think the number is just you've got twelve guys in each one, and I've not been able to find Dahlin at NHL.com. There's going to be fastest skater, one timers, passing challenge, hardest shot, stick handling, accuracy shooting, one on one obstacle course, which is the top from the other events. There's no Darlene. So the NHL has mm. someone from every team going to the All-Star game, but you are not all participating in the skills competition. According to NHL.com's story on this, Rasmus Darlene is not yet picked for a spot. Hmm. He's got to do something, though, right? I, I mean, I guess not. I've yet is to find... going to hang out there? I've or? yet to find Sebastian Ajo in any one of these either. So there are probably a few players that are just not doing the skills competition. Interesting. Yeah. Jeremy and Joe, you can give us a call on uh, why this is indeed the most important Bills draft since the Josh Allen draft. We've got a theory on all this. We'll talk about it with you, get the Twitter poll results up as well. It's trending hard, yes, and I think that's the right answer. It comes down to Brandon Bean. 803-0550, if you want to jump in on that, you can here on WGR. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. 
Medela, the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Roman Wilson from Michigan. Every time I looked, he was getting open, he was winning vertically, he was winning horizontally. He was probably the smoothest player in terms of running routes. And then on the other side, in the next practice, it was Ladd McConkie. Both of these guys just consistently got open, created separation, and were getting it done on the field. Catching the ball, getting it low, getting it high, getting it all over the place for some of them. Jordan Vanek of the 33rd team. We'll have Eric Edholm, NFL.com, joining us at 9 o'clock from Mobile, Alabama, where the Senior Bowl is. You know, it's there's something to be said, Joe, about how you're in the playoffs. Good morning, Jeremy and Joe. You're in the playoffs. You're dreaming of a Super Bowl. Everything's good. Mahomes comes to town. Let's go. Win this game. Mm-hmm. And then you don't win the game, and within three weeks, you're watching guys named Lad McConkey. Lad McConkey, yeah. Do, do one-on-ones at the Senior Bowl He's in, in Mobile, Alabama. burning guys. He does look good. Lad McConkey. He doesn't sound like he'd be a very good wide receiver. Well, i got to find out. What a, is Lad McConkey good at? He's like... Uh, I mean, he is a, a good rugby player. He's a, he's good, a rugby he's, player. Is definitely right. Yes, he's <laughs> he's the guy that Liverpool, the guy that just scored for Liverpool that I've never heard of. That I have to go look up to see like where he came from. His first name is Andrew. Lad is his middle name. He goes by Lad. Lad McConkey, wide receiver, Georgia. Maybe you're checking out highlights. Maybe you're watching the Senior Bowl highlights. You want to know everything you can about the receivers. Of course, the receiver train is firing on all cylinders here. We're just getting started in this offseason. What are we, 84 days till the draft 84 now? 84 days. 84 days till the draft. And uh, Lad McConkey is a name on the tip of my tongue. Who else yesterday? Romeo, Roman Wilson made a catch with one hand turning back. You know, yep. it's, um, We're going to have a million different ideas. We're going to do a wide receiver idea of the day throughout this process. But the thing I wanted to get to was, like, I, I, I came up with an idea I brought to Sales a little bit ago was like, hey, we should have a we should have a draft party. We haven't had a draft party in a long time, or maybe we have, but you know, events kind of died down with COVID. People getting back out doing stuff. We should have a draft party. We should have a wide receiver draft party. Let's yes. do it. Let's all go someplace and we'll count down the receivers and they'll get to twenty eight, and then who knows if they actually take one. We'll see. But I do think this draft is really important for Brandon Bean. All drafts are important. But this one, to me, has more of a eyes are on Bean right now. Doesn't he have to feel more pressure right now than ever before? And if I could boil it down to one point, it would be this. It's never been more obvious that they need to help Josh Allen more. It used to be you need to make sure Josh has other options so he doesn't have to run it too much. And that went all the way further down the line to, oh, yeah, he needs a lot of help. You can't. You can't roll out the receivers that you rolled out the last two years. There needs to be a dynamic number two receiver, and post-Diggs life is in this mix as well. The receiver train has gone from, you know, the last couple of years, 
we wanted a receiver when they took Kyer Elam. Yeah. And yep. they didn't, of course. They took James Cook in the second round. So this receiver conversation has been slowly building. And in the Elam year, sure, there was a lot of support when we would talk about it, but you would often hear, but corner two is much too important. they got to get a second corner across right. from Tredavious White. You know, we all know how Kyer Elam went. Not saying anything about how that went. Going into that draft was a lot about corner. Last year, what were the needs going into last year? Receiver again. And we, we said receiver, yeah. but it wasn't like a, a, a an urgent hole. You know what I mean? Like, no, it didn't. It didn't feel. It wasn't like right now. It's there's more urgency because if you don't do it, then it's uh, what? Oh, what? 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 Justin Shorter is my still like? What? What are you even doing? Last year, it's at least okay. Well, I still got Gabe Davis. Last right, year, it right. was middle linebacker. That's right, middle linebacker because we did not know that Terrell Bernard was. We could not have imagined, I think, that he would have done what he did. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And maybe that's a point that someone wants to make about Justin Shorter, that you know he'll be the next Terrell Bernard. I wouldn't be betting on that. What else? Was was corner still a hole? No, right? Not so much. Offensive line? We we talked about offensive line yep, a lot. Yep, and they drafted a guard. Yeah. So last year was not, I don't know, I want to. There weren't like a million. The biggest one was middle linebacker, and they didn't yeah. really fill it. They went for Dorian Williams late in in the third round. We don't know, by the way, that they wouldn't have, right? Like, Jack Campbell went way higher than anyone thought he was going to. Yep. So we don't technically know that they wouldn't have done it. And then, of course, you had the, uh, you had your you had your running back crowd that was always that's always there. Yep. For yep. like, oh, that's a hole. You got to fill that. And this year, maybe that's less of a hole than ever. Yeah. Right now, they have. Because, well, just it might be perceived as less of a hole because James Cook is yeah, a okay. thousand yard rusher that's in the Pro Bowl. But if you also go to the narratives around each draft, the 13 seconds year, that was corner because Levi Wallace was leaving. Cincinnati, they lose, and it's all right. Well, you were emotionally spent. Right now, it feels like the Bills are, again, like not in crisis mode, but that position is the most glaring hole they've had yeah. in a while. Couldn't I, couldn't I say, by the way, last year after the Bengal game, it was, you didn't, how many times did we say the phrase easy button? Yeah. Like right. they didn't the slot have, receiver. Yeah, we're trying to replace Cole Beasley now, right. right? And that, I mean, Dalton Kincaid is not Cole Beasley. Cole Beasley took offense to the idea that Dalton Kincaid is a receiver like Cole Beasley. But that's what they were trying to do, wasn't it? They were trying to give Allen the safe throw that he maybe didn't have in that Bengal year. Yeah. And Shakir also developed. Kincaid had did he have ninety targets on the season. So it's now it's like it's receiver, but isn't it? It's like it's what they said. It's explosive plays. It's a receiver that is going to push the ball down the field. If we're talking about the specific need, but even just to fill in on the roster, just to start. I mean, it is. It's their most glaring hole. Yeah, you can get to okay edge. I don't have a line. I don't have really guys signed, but I've got Rousseau and Vaughn's not going anywhere. So like, and there's that Oliver. I've got my big investments at that position. I kind of got to fill in around those guys. Safety, we'll see. If Poyer's back, it's I got to replace one safety, which generally is not a premium position by league standards anyway. Wide receiver is a premium, premium position, it's like the number two position, where you don't really have a plan B in house right now. Like your plan your plan B is still someone from outside the organization. Yep. So you've got to there there is no if ands or buts about it. You don't have to draft a guy in round one. You gotta do something though. 
Well, let's boil it down. They don't have a third-round pick. Is that true? They're getting one, though, for Tremaine Edmonds, I think. Okay, the, maybe the compensatory. compensatory pick. Yeah, so okay. it'll be the end, the very end okay. of the third round. Right now, they don't have a third. Okay. Because they traded that away in the Rasul Douglas trade. They got a fifth in return. The Bills have nine picks. A first, a second, then they go to fourth. Mm-hmm. And again, that third is going to be like 35th in the third round because let's, it's after the third. Let's all be real about this, though. Brandon Bean knows, knows he has to take one of the first two rounds. Has to. Mm-hmm. There is no way mm-hmm. he will wait till the end of round three. He can't do it. And one of the reasons might be people don't like to hear that, you know, pressure from the outside. Oh, we never listen to that noise. We never listen to that. Bean would, I think, know that McDermott is, whatever, he was an embattled coach this year. And they rallied and they won a bunch of games. Mm-hmm. And McDermott kind of, you know, shined up quite a bit with the way that the defense played. But Brandon Bean doesn't catch, what, one-tenth of the flack that McDermott does? No, I talked about this yesterday. Like, wh- like McDermott gets all of it. He does. And, and McDerm- McDermott gets so much that if Bean, as the guy that pulls the tab, right, he's the mm-hmm. guy that calls the names, if Bean went defensive tackle and defensive end in rounds one and two, people would blame McDermott. Yeah. They would say, the head coach is running the show. Yeah. He won't let you take a receiver. If they drafted a running back, it would be, wouldn't it be pinned on McDermott also? Yes. Oh, this guy just wants to run the ball. Yes. He's taking control from Joe Brady. And if Bean is in control of the drafts, which of course, like we should believe that he is, whatever, it's all collaborative effort over there. What I'm trying to say is the draft is not only important for the first two rounds. We know that they are losing a bunch of players. We knew they, they are, we know they're about to go to, into a youth movement where they have to get younger. They have nine picks. In years past, they've been down a couple of picks. Now they have more. If they get a Tremaine Edmonds compensatory pick, now they're up to 10 picks. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hit on a bunch of those, but you should be planning on a receiver in the first two rounds. And I also wonder about that. So, again, like, oh, we stay true to our board. Who's number one on our board? Let's say the Bills are looking at the, where their picks are. Number one, number two, in the end of round three. And they know they have to get a receiver. And they have 10 picks. Yeah. They have 10 picks, which makes me, knowing, knowing Bean. Trade up. He has had, Bean in his time as Bill's general manager has made six first-round picks. He's traded up for four of them. <laughs> Out of his six first-round picks, he's moved up to go get them. Four times. Yeah. And, so how- like, you, and you can say, like, well, they're going to draft for, that's what they're going to say, right? And they're going to say it anyway. That, well, that's not how drafting works. You know, you're not just going to draft the position of need, but... Bean has proven to you he'll work the board to go get the position he wants. If he thinks, this is my biggest need, this is the position I want to address, and I don't think that guy's going to be there in four picks, he's proven to you over and over and over again he's going to go get them. Receiver, it hasn't happened, and I wonder if he's tried or it just hasn't been that high a priority where, hey, maybe if it's there, I'll take it, but I'm not going to move up eight spots to go get this player. Maybe last year might have been the time to do that. Maybe he tried to go get Zay Flowers or to go get Jordan Addison. But he did move up for Dalton Kincaid. So yep. that would imply that that type of player was what was really on his mind in that first round. We never get to know that. But to me, that's got to be – receiver's got to be number one on the list for that. It's, okay, fine, work your board and, all right, don't draft for need, whatever, but you got to draft for need to some respect and – if you're going to trade up, you're trading up for need, 
right? Yes. And this is the position where you would do that. And to that point, you know, hey, see how the board falls. They do mock drafts of their own. All these teams like to prepare. If they do a mock draft or two or five or 30, they're going to know if we don't snag a receiver in round one or two, there are so many picks still coming. Like they've got fifth round, sixth round, seventh round. And while you might be the kind of person that likes to point out, hey, uh, Puka Nakua was a fifth. Okay, right? That That's that's right. That did happen. Mm-hmm. And Stefan Diggs was a fifth-round pick. But Bean cannot go. He cannot come out of this draft hoping to beat the odds at the, at the position. Can't do it. They, I Will they trade up? We'll see. There's going to be a million names. One of the million-dollar questions is, and this comes in right now from Cookie who tweets in, is there a world they trade up for a game-breaker or is it too deep of a class? The thing about it being a deep class is that just means the second-round receivers are better and the third-round receivers might be better, and same with the fourths and the fifths. You've mm-hmm. got a lot of really good options. But if your goal is to come out with, it's no longer needing a role player. The the digs age, and maybe you want to say drop in production, I don't know how much Bean would be concerned about the second half of the season, but they need someone to step into a role, and they need someone to grow into bigger roles than that, too. Whether it's one receiver or two receivers, to get one of the top five guys, to me, seems like, I mean, I don't want to say they have to, but when you think about that they don't have a third, again, compensatory with Tremaine Edmonds, okay, they they can't push it anymore. And Bean has to feel that pressure. Even though they might claim that they don't feel that pressure, he definitely will. Hmm. If it's not round one, it will be round two. And maybe that means, like you pointed out, how many times he's moved. Yeah. It's just too important. And it's too important, among other things, to show you are ready to build around your quarterback. You are ready to go to do everything you can to surround him with everything he needs. They need to lean into it more. You know, if you go back to the Tyler Dunn piece, which you know the Bills have called the hit piece a lot, a lot of it is how... McDermott has not done enough to lean into Josh Allen being great. Mm-hmm. Do everything you can, being McDermott, to build around Allen. And last year they did that. Last year the offense got a lot of attention. In free agency, moves that didn't really work. In the first and second round of the draft, it was the first time of the McDermott era where draft picks were really dedicated to the offense. And they have to do it again. And I think they probably know that. Even though there's going to be turnover at safety defensive line yep. it's just it's too important to send the message to josh allen that we'll do everything we can you're our mvp we'll do everything we can to make sure you are never lacking again yeah and the other thought on it being his most important draft since they picked allen and Edmonds, the 2018 draft is where they are in their timeline there, there is no there's no make good on a missed pick Right, like when they drafted, when they were desperate to add pass rush, they went, and in four years, they went Oliver in round one, they went Epinesa in round two, they went Rousseau in round one, and they went Basham in round two. They put everything they had into making that defensive line great. And what did they have out of it? They didn't have a great defensive line. They didn't have a bad defensive line. They didn't have that game breaker that they wanted at the position. So what did they do instead? They gave Von Miller a $100 million contract. This is different. You can't miss on your receiver. You can't miss on even your, you can say your defensive lineman or your safety and 
have him make good. You can't go out and replace that the next year because, uh-oh, I missed on this guy. They don't have even a lot more Rasul Douglas trades in them. Right. Which, why did they make that? Why did they make that trade? Because Kyrie Elam wasn't ready to play. Or they didn't like the idea of Kyrie Elam playing. Had he hit as a draft pick, or had they got Trent McDuffie instead, then they're not making the Rasul Douglas trade because they've already got their corner. They, they're not going to be able to do that, I don't think, again. Maybe Douglas is a special example because he wasn't you know, nearly as expensive as Vaughn was. But for whether it's receiver, safety, or defensive line, you know, these these first three rounds, the first four rounds, it's more imperative than ever that you would you get a player that's gonna be helpful or at least get one diamond of the rough along the way. Because now now you've gotta build through your draft. You can't they've built a lot through free agency. How many play that defense especially, right? Like yeah. look at their defensive impact players in th- this season. And who they, or in the past two seasons, and who they acquired via draft versus free agency. And compare that to other teams. The Chiefs, the Chiefs defense, which has become this great unit, is 100% built through the draft. Like, every important player on their defense, they drafted and developed. And this doesn't have to be a criticism of the Bills, it's reality. They signed Hyde and Poyer. They traded for Rasul Douglas. They paid Von Miller. They signed Leonard Floyd. Again, there are draft hits, too. Taron Johnson, Terrell Bernard, um, Ed Oliver. They've got those guys, too. But there's a big chunk of their defense where they brought it in rather than drafted it. And I don't know that they're going to be able to do that anymore. They're going to have to hit on these picks in general just because of the cap situation. It's a different phase of their timeline that they are entering here because Allen's cap hit is going up more than double this year. Let me ask you about this one. Garth writes in, every year from now until Josh's retirement is the most important. They'll just get more and more crucial the older he gets and the smaller the window. That's probably fair Mm -hmm. in terms of pressure, but there definitely is a world where they hit a couple of picks and they have fewer holes. And it doesn't feel as desperate as they probably are at that receiver position. Yeah. Yeah, right. It's a premium position that they have a glaring hole at. There are going to be years they go into a draft two, three, four years from now. There might be a draft they go into and say, well, our only real big hole is at running back or at left guard to replace Connor McGovern. And we go, oh, well, they still got to hit on picks because of their cap situation, but it's not like it's a premium position. Last year, this wouldn't have been true, right? I mean, we thought receiver was a need, but... Because of Gabe Davis's existence under contract, it wasn't as big of a hole as it is right now where, uh-oh, who's playing for me if I don't do this? Last year, we just talked middle linebacker and guard and maybe right tackle. Even maybe not that. They didn't seem to think so. Like, those were the positions. And middle linebacker and guard are not, to me, wide receiver or left tackle someday down the road. Like, that'll be a big, important draft. When they've got to replace Deion Dawkins in seven years or whatever that is. When they've got to replace... Well, if he plays seven more years, that's going to be pretty good for him. Yeah, I mean, corner will come up again. I don't think it is this year. I think they are good with Benford and Douglas starting day one of next season. But Douglas is 30 years old. Tredavious White is 30 years old. There's going to be a draft in two years, three years, where they better hit on a corner. They'll all come up, and one of the goals will be to not ever get as desperate as you are as a receiver right now. They're desperate. The receivers on the team next year are Diggs and Shakir. 
Yeah. That's I mean, that's a that's a desperation situation. Super important draft, of course, for the Bills. Eighty four days away. Senior Bowl practices, the uh highlights du jour as we learn about all these receivers. Eight oh three oh five fifty. If you want to jump in with us, if you're on hold, stick with us. Have a fun game to play when we get back as All well. Right. Yeah, you like games, right? Yes, amen, right. amen. A fun Josh Allen touchdown game. That's coming up. Jeremy and Joe on WGR. I have neighbors ahead of Marvin Harrison Jr. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Because he's definitely better after the catch. I mean, Marvin Harrison Jr. can do a lot of the things that teams want out of that X receiver outside of the formation, has to run a variety of routes, which Harrison Jr. certainly did more of. With the ball in his hands, Neighbors is, I don't want to say Jalen Waddell, but kind of in like the Brandon Ayuk to Jalen Waddell explosiveness category. That sounds good. Mm -hmm. I'd like one of those. Malik Neighbors. His uh, co-worker, Chris, that's Chris Trapasso, at CBS, Dave Richard, ranked his top five wide receivers from Senior Bowl Wednesday practice. Number one, Roman Wilson for the second day in a row. He's had as his number one receiver at both practices at the Senior Bowl. The Michigan wide receiver that I think is not supposed to be a very high pick, if I'm remembering correctly. Haven't seen him too high. Lad yeah. McConkey, number two for the second day. Lad McConkey. And then Xavier Leggett. By the way, his name is Andrew Lad McConkey. Andrew Lad. Think he's met Andrew Lad? NHL or Andrew Lad? I think it's possible he doesn't even know is Andrew he Ladd named, exists. Is he named after Andrew Lad McConkey? He went to Georgia. Andrew Ladd. I think it's more likely he doesn't know that Andrew Lad exists. Am I stereotyping people from Georgia? Not knowing not, hockey exists? Not knowing like, d- depth isn't, hockey players? Isn't there a lot of rumble that... Atlanta's about to get a team again? I mean, but is that a good idea? Who knows? Yes. He's from Chatsworth, Georgia. There's no way he knows who Andrew Ladd is. He thinks he's the most famous Andrew Ladd. And maybe he is. He's about to be. Ladd McConkey of Georgia. We'll talk to Eric Edholm, NFL.com, coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. 803-0550, a Josh Allen fun game in a moment. First, though, CJ in Buffalo is joining us. Good morning, CJ. Hey, good morning, guys. Hey, um, like I, don't, I know you guys talk about like how how important this draft is for Brandon Bean. I, I I think it's obviously I know you guys brought it up as well that it's it's collaborative, like it's everybody, um, as far as like how they get together and what they need. And I know the example that we had years ago was Hines. Hey, you brought in Hines, but we never used him. And I don't know if if the coach or the OC says, hey, we need this, and then it comes in and it doesn't work for the offense. Like we're not utilizing that player. Or, hey, Hardy's not getting involved. We're not utilizing this player. We're spending money on players that we're not utilizing. And that, that, that's troubling to me because, like, even if he drafts someone, we don't use those players. When Condorcy was here, Condorcy didn't utilize James Cook and uh, Kincaid the way uh, Brady does now. And I, I love uh, Brady as our OC. I know he's proven he can get uh, explosive players in great positions like he has when he came in. 
it's just I want to know my question is the communication between the head coach, the offensive coordinator, and Brandon Bean on what you need and if it's going to be utilized. If the head coach says, hey, we need a running back, yeah, okay, I'll get you a pass-catching running back, and he gets here and we don't utilize it, where's the communication on that on how many times we're going to keep doing this? Yeah. Hey, draft me uh, Zach Moss. Give me a power back. You know, I just want to know the communication, and I know it's all on Brandon Bean, but – can Brandon Bean say, look, I'm going to draft what I think we need now because I've been doing it your way for a while, and I know it's communication. I know they're really tight. I just want to know, like, when, at what point does it get to, we need this. I'm sorry. I, we got to go this way. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even use Cook for that. I would use Naheem Hines for that. They traded for Naheem Hines, and well, Bean sounded like after the season, he maybe even said, I would have liked to see him used more on offense. So did McDermott. They, bo- they both yeah. – Said that, but this, but he wasn't. This gets to the point about offensive identity. Who decides what the offense wants to be? Is it if it's Joe Brady, then you know when they meet, he'll tell you what. Well, my offense needs one of these. And on defense, I don't know. Has anybody ever doubted what Sean McDermott's defensive identity is? Don't we know exactly what they want to do? I think so. Yeah, we know exactly yeah. the kind of players they like, yep. how they want to play. They're going to rotate on the defensive line. They want to play nickel as their base. That's what they want to be. They want to keep everything in front of them, not yep. allow big plays over the top. Maybe get a little more aggressive as he calls the plays. Yep. But the Sean McDermott defense has an identity. And this Bills offense is a constantly kind of, uh, maybe this, maybe we should be this. And if that's an organizational decision to change the way they play, then okay. Well, this is this is what comes with having a defensive-minded head coach. Is maybe having to move things around an offense You're, as opposed to yeah, you know, changing. I mean, that it's it's the simple fact of the matter. The Chiefs never have a question about that. They might be they might down. Miss, they might miss on picks. Yeah, they might miss on picks. They might but, be down in the dumps be, offensively in comparison to past years because of personnel. But there's never a question about that. They they even lose their offensive coordinator. Eric Bieniemy leaves. No question whatsoever yeah. about what their identity is on offense, ever. Mark in Lancaster, our first ever call about Lad McConkey. All right. <laughs> What's historic, up, Mark? Historic. Yeah, yeah so this is not exactly profound, but I was thinking about this kid, Andrew Lad McConkey, and your discussion as to whether or not he even knew Andrew Ladd. Love it. But the kid is from uh, Georgia, and Andrew Ladd played for the Atlanta Thrashers. How about so that, it, Joe? There oh, might right. be a high likelihood that the kid knows him. Interesting. Yeah, didn't he, I did not think that he would have done that, but he did. Atlanta. He's born. Okay, now we're gonna we're going deep down. He the He played hole. for Atlanta the uh, the last year the Sabers were in the playoffs. How about that? What's yeah. his last year playing for the Thrashers? Andrew he, Ladd. He only played one year, 2010-11. Oh, and man. then they moved. And then they moved to Winnipeg. And. Lad McConkey's born in 2001. You're telling me a nine-year-old doesn't know a guy with the same name as him that plays for the team in town? The team that was if about there, to leave. If, if there was a Joe DiBiase that played hockey for the team in your town, you wouldn't know him? But it's, it's Atlanta. Nobody knows anybody there, right? They didn't know who the... Do you think a nine-year-old in Georgia knew who it, uh, the third liner on the Atlanta Thrashers was? He had the same name as him. Yeah. At that time, I he was it's a coincidence. prospect. He was young wouldn't, Andrew Ladd. Wouldn't you be shocked if I didn't know the name of the actor, the main character from the show The Bear? I don't think you did know, it, but you didn't know who he was until, like, what, last year? It's impossible not to know. His name is Jeremy White. Of course I know who he is now. But didn't you watch The Bear before very, you very, realized? Very late in the game, sure. I was yeah. not on the, you know. You realized his name after you started watching the show, right? Sure. How long could I have possibly gone not knowing he existed? 
You're also kind of everyone's implying here that like he was named for Andrew Ladd, which obviously is I, not true because he was nine years old when he got to Atlanta. What? Hold on. Where was Andrew Ladd in 2001? Probably playing for like the Oshawa Generals, right? Like I don't know. This is the best camera. We need, you know who would take this on would be Pablo Torre. Andrew we need Led, to find somebody at the Senior Bowl. I'm gonna text my brother. Right Andrew Led was not Ed. was not in the NHL in 2001. Okay, so the yeah. likelihood he's named after that's zero. NHL or Andrew Ladd is plummeting. But you're saying he would have found out because someone at some point, one of his buddies had, in third grade, would have said, "Hey, I'm a Thrasher." So did you know there's a Thrasher named Andrew Ladd? Yes, I'm saying at some point in this process between the Senior Bowl and the full pre-draft process. Someone's going to ask Ladd McConkey if he's ever heard of Andrew Ladd, and he's going to say yes. You're also assuming, by the way, that he hasn't just gone by Ladd McConkey his entire life. Maybe his friends didn't know that his first name was Andrew. It's possible. His name, his name is Ladd McConkey. Ladd. Want to play this Josh Allen game? Yes. Cliffhanger. We're playing Cliffhanger. Cliffhanger Josh Allen game. Those of you that may remember the uh, Price is Right game Cliffhanger, you, the guy climbs up the mountain, up and up the mountain, and then we stop. So here's the Josh Allen game I wanted to play with you. We had the stat of the day earlier that Tom Brady's number one all-time in postseason touchdown passes with 88. 88. Second place is Joe Montana and Aaron Rodgers with 45. Wow. That's unbelievable. Patrick Mahomes is at 39. Uh-huh. Josh Allen is in 17th place all-time. Post- 17th for 17? That's right. He won't finish there. Now, these are not... I don't think. Total touchdowns. These are touchdown passes. So, the question becomes, you tell me, when Josh Allen steps away, where he will be on this list, all-time postseason touchdown passes. Okay. All right? Yep. He has 21. Will he tie Roger Staubach and Donovan McNabb with 24? Yes, he will. Yes. Russell Wilson, 25. Yes, he'll do that. Even, Joe, even if Wilson gets back in, he'll, he'll pass him. Joe Flacco, 26 all-time postseason touchdown passes. He'll do that, too. Will he get to John Elway's 27? Yes, he will. Terry Bradshaw is at 30. Does Josh Allen pass Terry Bradshaw? That's nine more. Yeah, he'll get there. Kurt Warner, 31. Yes. Okay. Allen is in the top 10 all-time in postseason touchdown passes. 31. Will he get to 32? And tie Dan Marino. Yes, he will. Okay, 11 more touchdown passes for Josh Allen. Those are going to be fun. I'm going to cheer for those. Yeah. Will he get to, a little bit of a bump here, 36 career postseason touchdown passes to tie Ben Roethlisberger? That's 19 more. So now we're talking. No, that's 15 more. He's in 17th place. Oh, he doesn't have 17? No, 21 was his number, right? Yep, that's right. Okay. Yes. Okay. He'll get past Roethlisberger. He passes Roethlisberger. Will he pass or tie 37? Drew Brees. This is 16 more. He's 27. Yes. Okay. He he ties Drew Brees. Number six. We kind of have to move because it won't be number six for for very long. Is it Mahomes? Yeah. Yeah. So... And he won't, I would not have him passing Mahomes. Well, Mahomes is still active, so that's the hard right. part. He's but eight. like whatever that number ends up being, he'll finish behind Mahomes. He's 18 behind Mahomes. Yeah. But will he move into the top five? Mm-hmm. 
40 all-time touchdown passes in the postseason. This is who Mahomes could pass in the Super Bowl. Peyton Manning, 40. <laughs> this is about double. If I don't, if I say yes to this one, I'm saying he will. I'm basically saying he will double his playoff resume for passing touchdowns. He's 27. Yes. Yes. He passes Peyton Manning. Josh Allen does. Now, by the way, there's an easy cop-out. Anytime you want to say no and stop the number here and just say, like, oh, he'll run for, like, 50. I I was going to say, he might, (laughs) in total touchdowns. Yeah. Okay, he's got 40. Will he move up and catch Brett Favre? 44 career postseason passing touchdowns. Josh Allen, 21. Will he get 23 more? I. Th- By the way, it hasn't been that many postseasons to get 23. Yeah. 21. Yeah, no, sorry, 21. It's not, the, it's not that many. And, of course, if they go deeper, yeah. you can double your amount of touchdown passes in one postseason by just playing more games. I think <coughs> I'm going to say no to this one. Okay, stopping short. I think a lot can happen. In Coward. a decade-long period of time. I think he'll double what he's done, but... Lad McConkey mm. will help him get to Yes, it. right. Lad McConkey's going to catch a million of them. Uh, I think I'm going to say no. Okay, This is where I'm going to stop. Stops right there. Brett Bef- Favre. Before Brett Favre. Rodgers, 45. Montana, 45. Brady, 88. Yeah. He's going to finish... Right there, around Favre. Like, he's not going to finish above Mahomes and Allen. Or, excuse me, uh, Brady. One thing, by the way, just for this very small point, though, can Mahomes catch Brady? There is a built-in advantage right now because now the two-seed plays a game. Right. So if you're you're Mahomes, go every other year, you're not the one-seed. Every other year, maybe every third year, two out of every three, you will have an extra game to play, in theory. If you think Mahomes can track down Brady's 88, Mahomes is at 39 right now. Yeah, like how many times, how many times was, uh, how many times was Brady the two seed and got a bye? It happened at least a couple times. Probably a a lot. I mean, this division was always a gift. Yeah. I mean, they already, I mean, how many wildcard games did Brady play in general? Brady played. Let's see. He played from 2001 on. 2005, he played a wild card game. 2006. And, like, that's it. He played three in his career. Three wild card? Five. He played five in his career. Okay. He played one for New England. He played four for New England, one for Tampa. No, I'm looking at the Patriots. No, yeah, no, like five, five, I think for his career. I mean, they're off by one or by one, but he didn't play many wild card games at all. And Mahomes is going to probably double that. Yeah, eight oh three oh five fifty to join us, Jeremy and Joe. We'll talk with Eric Edholm, NFL.com at nine o'clock. He's in Mobile, Alabama. Break down what we've seen at Senior Bowl practices so far. Not even the Senior Bowl, just practice and coverage on ESPN Plus of the Pebble Beach Pro Am. Josh Allen is playing with Tom Brady, and uh, they're two pros as well. Starting today at, uh, well, I don't know about the tea time, but the cover starts at 11. 803-0550, to join us on WGR.
Did you see the anonymous player polls that The Athletic put out? Yes. About hockey? Yes. NHL players on a, a, a myriad of different uh, subjects, including, like, what's your least favorite building to play in? Buffalo finished third in that. Okay. More so because of how gloomy it is in there. <laughs> like, Carolina was there in that group just because the locker rooms, I guess, are terrible for the away team. Another one where a Sabre got into the voting. Anonymous NHL player poll, 147 votes. Who, which, the question, who's the player in the league whose face you most want to punch? Number one, no doubt, no surprise, was Brad Marchand. Hmm. Ran away with it. Matthew Kachuk, number two. Which Sabre appeared in the top ten voting for this? Jeff Skinner. Jeff Skinner did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jeff Skinner did. Not a surprise. The only other place I saw a Sabre player get anything, and again, out of 147, it was one vote. One person voted Tage Thompson as the most overrated player in the league. Wow. Last year, he was voted most underrated by some. Yeah. I think Austin Matthews said he was the most underrated player in the league. Yeah. This year, by a wide margin, Trevor Zegras got most overrated overrated player in the league because, what, he just does the Michigan? Yeah, I don't know. And that's why he was on, like, the NHL video game cover, and I guess he's not even, he's like a 20-goal scorer. So, Josh bumped back with that music at the break and said it's Terry Styles' birthday? Harry Styles. Harry Styles? Harry Styles' birthday. I thought you said Terry Styles. That, okay. I know who are you. Ha- are you not familiar? With- I know who Harry Styles is. Are you I sure? thought he said Terry Styles, and I googled Terry Styles and thought, why would I know who Terry Styles is? But you would have recognized that beat a little bit, right? Sure, but again, yeah. he says, he I'm says, pl- okay, yeah, Terry yeah. Styles. I know who I Harry very Styles clearly is. did not say Terry Styles. I'm well, just making sure you're aware of who Harry Styles is because uh, see, that's the thing. I, I thought the same thing. I thought you didn't know who he was. I know who Harry Styles. Right. I think we've been over this. I thought you said Terry. Okay, would you claim that? Harry Styles is the number one famous birthday of the day today. Uh, how, how confident are you? I can't beat Harry Styles. How many people in the world would beat Harry Styles? I mean, not many. I'm gonna say you can't beat it. Unless, are you already looking? I'm gonna look right now. And okay, I'm, you do, you ha- if you haven't looked yet, I'm gonna guess you can't beat Harry Styles. That he's the most famous birthday today. Uh, game set match: Tyler Myers, <laughs> Ronda Rousey. Uh huh. She's pretty famous. Yeah, she is. Yeah. Mm. But not more famous than Harry Styles. Right? I'm working. I think that's right. Jason Isbell. Happy birthday, Jason Isbell. Nice. Yep. Phil Ivey, American poker player. I haven't beaten Harry Styles yet. Lisa Marie Presley. His birthday today. Yeah. You know, they, they Ooh, were, here's a, we're this, in the times where you search famous birthdays, and like seven of the top ten are this TikToker. Right. I'm on TikTok, and I don't even know who these people are. Does Pauly Shore rank? Probably not, right? Mark uh, no. Mark Recchi. <laughs> not going to work? No. All right, it might be. Paulie Shore, definitely not above. It might be Harry, Harry Styles. Styles. It might be. I'm back in. You go far enough back, you start getting to, like, kings and princes and. Paulie Shore. What's the. Popes. What's, what's the. What's the. What's, like, Paulie Shore's number one movie? Like, what are we even talking about here? Son-in-law. That's my guess. Yeah. That doesn't. Doesn't rate. Not for me. Rick this, James. this is Harry Styles Day. Clark Gable. Rick James. And Rick good. James. I think Harry Styles just lost. No. To Rick James. Jim Thorpe. Ooh. To Rick James. How long has Harry Styles been going at it for like... He's probably in the same category. If there were an all-time musician draft, who would get drafted first? Rick James or Harry Styles? You're saying Rick James? Sure. They got Clark Gable he's here. Just saying that. He's just saying that because Rick James from Buffalo. He's trying to be... Yeah. Get people on his side. 803 We'll talk some Senior Bowl coming up, and then 9 o'clock hour, Eric Edholm covers for 
Um, NFL.com, he's down there in Mobile, Alabama. We'll chat with him about Lad McConkey, among others. Get our wide receiver of the day coming up the next hour as well. Maybe it's Lad today. Maybe it's somebody else. We'll decide. Jeremy and Joe here on WGR. It would kind of seem absurd that the guy who everybody right now thinks is one of the best or the best making a quarter of what the big star is making and outshining him in the booth. It would just seem pretty weird to me. Peter King on the upcoming Tom Brady replacement of Greg Olson. How about Peter King just flat out saying, it kind of is implying there, at least, that Brady will not be nearly as good as Greg Olson. Mm-hmm. Here's Greg Olson in the booth outshining the guy next to him who would make $37 million a year, mm-hmm. Tom Brady. So we'll see how that goes. You had this, I, I, I'm glad you pointed out, when Joe Montana left the game and got in the booth, it lasted nine games. Yeah. I have a similar expectation for Brady. We'll see what ultimately happens. Jeremy and Joe, good morning. You can uh, chime in on that if you want. I get an email, and I want to I want to ask everybody a question here maybe i should have put this as the twitter poll to see how many people out there have uh lost their minds ready got an email here about what the bill should do at receiver and it starts bill should grab two receivers get good value and free up cap room for digs on a trade pause okay this is not going to be a let's get stupid but it's approaching on it. Does anybody it? make the case for trading digs is a good idea? Can anybody do it? Hold on a minute. I would say you want me. You want me to take a stab at it? Like I, I don't, I I don't wanna... believe it, but I could try to make the case for why someone would say, "Hey, let's trade Stephon Diggs." First off, if you trade Diggs, it's a thirty-one million dollar cap hit. Right. If you make it a post June one trade, it's a nine million dollar cap hit. But as Sal has pointed out, you can't use that other money until June. Which by that free point, agency is done. It's done. Yeah, there's, so no, there's nobody left. You're saving. You have more cap room, but you can't use the money. And then okay. the next year it costs you twenty two million. Twenty two on next year's, the following years, which cap. is basically like having him on the team. It's almost the same. It, like if it was cap, it'll be this year's twenty seven. You're spending it to have him on not Somebody on the team next team. year. Right. Right. So okay, let's move a little further down the line here. What do you expect to get for Stefan Diggs? And this does not mean the player is bad. Trades require you to give a team compensation and then pay a guy what he's owed on his contract. I mean, Diggs is very good. There's no doubt about that. Mm -hmm. He's been good. He's been awesome his entire Bills career until the last eight games, and people are mad about the drop. A drop on a drive that they did ultimately get to that spot on the field on the same drive, right? They kept moving down the field. That was a first and ten pass. Mm -hmm. So... Let me double-check that's the same drive. Anyway, we're mad about the drop. He had the drop on the deep ball, and that stinks. Trading Stephon Diggs. They are desperate for wide receiver. And you think they should trade him for a second-round pick? What? Who should do that? What other team should do that? If I'm another team, I wouldn't trade for Diggs. I would just, shocker here, draft a receiver. It's a stud class. Who mm-hmm. wants Diggs? And again, I don't say that like no one would want him. If you cut him, he'll have tons of opportunities. Oh, yeah. He would he'll get, go wherever he, he wants. Get, he would probably get a big contract. Too. Yes. Just shorter term, I'm sure. But, you know, like someone would give him a three year deal for $20 million a year. Absolutely. Right now they would. But 
now you got to on top of it spend a, a, a an asset, a premium draft asset. Even even if it's just one, they're not going to get the Tyree Kill package in in a million years. Right. Because Hill, you had contract control, and you had how old was he when the Chiefs traded him? Like twenty eight, twenty seven. Younger than Diggs. Can we at least say that? He was younger than Diggs was. So you're trading an older receiver by receiver standards. You're trading a guy that's not... Tyreek Hill's coming off a 75-yard touchdown Tyreke, against the Bills. Tyreek Hill's first season with Miami, Miami, he was 28. Okay. So they traded him, yeah. So 27-28 at time of trade, 28-year-old season. So multiple years younger than what Diggs is about to walk into, where he'll turn 31 during next season. Yeah. So... That on top of it, and listen, you might even hear that and go, well, you know, if I'm really hitting the refresh button on that whole position, you know, what are you really doing? You're trading Stephon Diggs for, let's say it's a second round pick. I'm trading him for, uh, Josh, who's your guy from Texas, Adonai Mitchell. Adonai Mitchell. Adonai Mitchell. All right, you're trading him for Adonai Mitchell. Here's the problem. Because of $9 million on the books this year and $22 million on the books next year, like next year, you're basically spending $22 million for Adonai Mitchell. Right, you're not even really getting the benefit of the young cheap receiver. You're getting the young receiver. You're not getting cheap because you're basically paying someone else the digs yeah. money to have the rookie, which right. there that for that just foregoes the rookie contract or at least half of it. And I I also saw so Peter King who we played there about Brady and Greg Olson, he had said in his Monday morning quarterback or whichever column that the the, the Bills should probably do roster surgery. Yeah. On the Diggs deal, and Diggs might not like it. Con- contract surgery. Yes, yeah, so thank you. He Con- says at the end of it, I expect Diggs to not be happy. About okay, it. that is Peter King's opinion on what the Bills might do with his contract. And I saw last night some online people, finger quotes, tired of the Diggs drama. He didn't say anything. No. It's Peter, Peter King, King gave an opinion on what the Bills might do with his contract. And then it's... The way he phrased it. Isn't it kind of him giving an opinion on what Diggs would feel about it? Yes. I mean, I want to give Peter King some credit. Like, he's as plugged in in the league as anybody. But he didn't He didn't quite label it as, like, he didn't say sources say Diggs would be unhappy with it. It's it, But it's kind of phrased as his, it's framed as his opinion on what Diggs would feel about it. Which is often what Diggs drama Ends up being people telling you how he probably will feel, yeah, or how or, they're guessing that he feels. Right. I mean, that's usually what the Diggs drama is. It's possible. It's possible. Like, I don't know. Would Diggs be happy that the Bills basically lock him into the to Buffalo for the rest of his career? But, I, but I, I, even I'm telling you, I have no idea. But it doesn't even matter. Too. This is part of what Diggs said at, at training camp last year. Maybe it was training camp. Maybe it was one of the other ones. Recently. I think it was during the season. During the season, where he said the thing about like, does it matter? It doesn't. How... It doesn't matter if I'm happy or yeah, not. Yeah, that was. Dur- I think it was mid season. Yeah, he said that, which is a good look into how he operates. It doesn't matter what I think about it. I'm under contract. I'm here. I'm going to do everything I can to win and be the best I can be. And halfway through this season, he was having his best year. Mm-hmm. And then they changed offensive yeah. coordinators, and things went away. And I kind of want to put my hand up here and just say. I'm sorry. Has, have, have, how many people have decided that production from Diggs that went off a cliff means that the elite tier wide receiver instantly hit a wall and not that the relatively young offensive coordinator didn't have all of the answers? Which of those two is more likely? The latter. You're signing with Joe Brady over Diggs here? It doesn't even have to be necessarily a conflict. Just 
hey, they didn't really get digs going in the second half. The coach, the coordinator, and the quarterback all said, we've got to get that going if we're going to be the best version of ourselves. And they did get him behind the safety against the Chiefs, and he dropped the ball. Guys make mistakes. Josh throws picks. Receivers get drops. Mm-hmm. Running backs have fumbles. Throughout the season, one of the one of the overarching themes is when somebody makes a mistake, you go back to them. I was watching a podcast between uh, Shannon Sharp and Chad Johnson, Ocho Cinco. They're talking about this. And Shannon Sharp's getting after digs about that's why you don't open your mouth is because when you make a mistake, people come for you. And Chad Johnson said on that drop, what they should do is go right back to him. That's what mm-hmm. you do. Guys drop passes. It's going to happen. And for, I mean, I don't know. Did they throw at him again after that play? They might, they might not have. I don't, a good rem- question. I don't remember, though. I mean, there's a play where we all look and say Allen maybe should have, but didn't. Yes, right. But yep. who knows if that's you know in his mind. But the point is, like, you have a player that has been wall of fame caliber for you since the day he got here. Mm-hmm. And after, is it the drop? Is it the on the sidelines against Cincinnati? Like People soured on him, and I'm not even sure how many it is. Mm-hmm. But the digs has to go crowd is off their rocker. <laughs> You're out of your mind. They don't have receivers mm-hmm. and you want to get rid of him and what what's your plan? Your plan's to sign a nine million dollar receiver veteran. Who's yes. that going to be? Your your, your receiver the only plan you could have is you're moving him for that second round pick. You're going to eat all that money and think that's a good idea. You're going to hope to hit on that second round receiver and then okay, so I can't use the money I free up by trading him till June. So what are your options? You're basically crossing your fingers that a DeAndre Hopkins is going to get cut by his team, and that's the route you're going. But how different is that than what you're getting from from a Diggs? You know what I mean? Like you're you're doing all of that, you're taking all of that risk, and you're eating all that dead money because you're going to pray that someone lets go of DeAndre Hopkins and then you're able to sign that guy. That, that's the only plan right. I can yeah. even fathom that like you even build a competent receiving core with because that's where I can't even listen to the idea of trading digs is we already know how big a hole receiver is and you can make your case for like sell now because it's about he's about to hit a cliff. I don't necessarily believe that, but if you're and ever going to if- have that take, now's the time I guess to do it. But if you move him I just I don't I don't know how you think that's helping Josh Allen. No, at this point it's it, it's either sunk cost or it's all right. Fine, he might be paid a little more than he should be, but we're going to deal with that. It's a little bit like and you don't really have an alternative. No, your alternative if, 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 is to lock him in even longer, which is right, the you, only you, thing they can really you do. restructure and then further down the line you take your cap hit. Yeah, and you do it when whoever you drafted this year in the first round is clearly ready to take over wide receiver number one status. Yeah. That's when you can comfortably move on and take your cap hit. Right yeah, now... They really can't do it for like three more years. No. And, they, and that's and before they, a restructure. And they shouldn't want to either. Like, right. Everything's fine. Things will be fine. The idea of trading digs is planes, trains, and automobiles. You're going the wrong way. Right. You're, why in the world would the Bills do that? To, to have the receiver core be Kendrick Bourne... Khalil Shakir and two rookies. Yeah. That's your is that the idea? Because you don't have money I mean, you really spe- I guess that can work but it is super risky. It's super risky. And now right you're walking into a season without 
a guy you know is going to produce for you. Not not a guy that you know you could trust on being a number one. What you're doing, I guess what 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 is if I'm trying I'm working hard to like try to make the case like why would anybody want to do this? Why they're they're thinking of the Hill trade. That's the only place I can Which get to. You're not getting the value. Right. You're like just... you want to make the Tyree Kill trade. I don't think you can make the Tyree Kill trade with Stefan Diggs on multiple fronts. The biggest difference there and this is why I think it's so different and you just can't compare the two. You can't magically hit a button and say, make the Tyree Kill trade, give me multiple first-round picks, and then I'm going to go use those first-round picks at the receivers, and Diggs' cap it just disappears. When the Chiefs did that, Hill was up for a contract, or he was coming up for a contract. He had one year left, maybe. He wanted to be paid the highest number right. in the sport. The, the Chiefs weren't locked into anything and, because they hadn't paid him yet. The Bills just gave, this is the first year of Diggs' extension. Being big money. Yeah. yeah, they gave him a four-year extension, and he's under contract for this season and then three more after that. So, like, this is the start of it. And it's the opposite of Hill, who was at the end of it. So even if you got to a place where, let's hit the refresh button, let's go all young, let's do what the Packers did. Let's go draft a bunch of receivers, and let's go young, and let's go cheap. It You can't. You just can't. And by the way... I know, they're in the Super Bowl for a second consecutive year. The Chiefs are not in the Super Bowl because they turned around the Tyree Kill trade and then hit on all of their receiver picks. If anything, that was the thing that almost held them back from making the Super Bowl was they haven't been able to replace Tyree Kill in the wide receiver core. They made it in they made the Super Bowl in spite of what their plan was at wide receiver post Tyree Kill. And they did it with defense. I've right. got a, I've got a exactly. stat, got a stat on their defense which is kind of well alarming in a good way for the Chiefs. Jake in Buffalo though before we do that. Jake, good morning. Hey, good morning. How's it going, guys? I just had uh, one little tidbit. I know a decade ago we were all very disappointed when we used two first-round picks and we got Sammy Watkins. It didn't make a lot of sense at the time, but I think this is our year. I think we need to trade a first-round future pick, get in the top 10, get in the top 15, get the franchise wide receiver. This team deserves and then can be the replacement for Diggs two, three years from now. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Jake. It, moving up, you know, we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about this a lot, and it's going to be really hard yeah, to sure. figure out how high they could get and who they could do it for until we're going to be 15 picks into the first round before we have a real feeling on whether or not they would trade up. But I don't think I'll ever get to a place before the draft where I feel like it's possible they can get in the top 10. No. That, that to me, I mean, the extent of it. You want to trade their future first-round pick? I, at best, I think they're getting to the middle of the first round. Yeah. So, who are you talking about? How, like, maybe we'll get there, where Brian Thomas is so much better of a prospect than Lad McConkey right. or that's, that's, Des that, Walker that, that I'm going to go do that. Brian Thomas is a good name because he tends to be one of the first ones people talk about after those big three. Right. So, okay, do I want to trade my future first-round pick to go get Brian Thomas? I mean, if they did it, I'd be excited, and like I would understand the ramifications of what that would cost, and I might not like that part of it, but we'll see. I don't, I don't know what idea I love yet. All I know is that I love that they got to do something, and trading digs is not doing something. That is so working against. It's so working against it. The only interesting part of Peter King's article to me about like the 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 digs part of it is if that does come to fruition that like. Well, I guess the Bills don't even have to, if they wanted to manage his contract, they don't even have to, I don't think, go to him on it. They can just do it. 
often so, that is most often the case that you can just restructure deals. Yeah, out. I mean, I'm sure they'd have a conversation with him before they did that. Um, but I don't. I've there's nothing concrete enough that I've ever heard or seen or heard Diggs say that makes me think he's going to push the eject button. And again, he walks into Brandon Bean's office today and says, I want to be traded. I think Brandon Bean might just shrug, her sh- shrug his shoulders and go, okay, I I just, what what do you want me to do? I, I don't have the cap space to eat $31 million. So I respect your opinion and what you might want, but there's nothing I can do. That's where they're at. That's where they would, excuse me, that's where they would be at even if you had Diggs walking in and making a demand like that. It's, just, it's, it's, it's a different planet, I think. I mean, if they do it, it would be wild. I just, you'd be, you'd be starting almost at zero from your receiver group. You'd, they they you'd would have, be starting at you'd zero. You'd have Khalil Shakir, and that's about it. Yeah. There's just, there is no, there is no, the, the, the cap's not real, right? But there is no work, there is no, you trade Diggs and you replace his money with Michael Pittman. Like, that's not an idea that's on the table. They don't have that option. So, he's, and I'm not, I don't need to rush him off the team. I, to your earlier question about, like, what is it? Did defenses figure him out a little bit? And did Joe Brady maybe not know quite yet how to get him the most involved? Or did he hit a wall? I'm not betting on the fact that he hit a wall. I've got enough people that study the film and chart the Matt Harmons of the world that are charting his success rate. Pro Football Focus on Diggs had an article a couple weeks ago. They're like, the guy was getting open. The guy was still separating. Maybe not like he was four years ago. But I am a believer that with another good receiver to take some of the attention away, that that's going to free him up more than ever. and Or more since you know, more than last year, and we're not going to be wondering about Diggs crashing and burning next year because it's just going to be better than it was in the second half of this year. It's one of the jobs for Joe Brady. 803-0550. Guys at One Bills Live had a Twitter poll. Like, who's most important for Allen in this this season? Like, which which player, which piece of the offense mm-hmm. is the most important piece for Josh Allen going into next year? And I'll pull up the results of that poll. It was, your options were, aside from Josh Allen, which player is most important? Diggs reemergence, Shakir Kincaid next step, rookie receiver production or other. And Shakir, Shakir Kincaid next step came in at number one. Really? Yeah, which is surprising to me because... That well, would have been like my third option, I think. Right, because while, me while those two are clearly very good, very efficient pieces, and Kincaid might become one of the top three tight ends in the sport. Yeah. I had a guest on yesterday that said that he's his number two ranked dynasty tight end good, going forward. Good. Yeah. Um but I think Diggs reemergence is really important. It's it's almost yeah. like <laughs> it's almost like people kind of forgot like what Diggs has done over the last three years. Since he got here, Allen and Diggs have combined for the most almost every receiving stat in the league. Yeah. Those two. It's one of the best tandems in the league. They had a rough eight games. He dropped a pass in the playoffs, and it's get him out of here. We'll take a $31 million cap hit. Yeah. It doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. The way Bean sounded in his end-of-season press conference, I think he believes that number three fixes number one rookie, on that poll. Rookie receiver production. Yeah. If, they, if they draft a guy and he's good and he can separate and he gets open down the field, whatever, they hit on 
their receiver two idea. And even if Shakir Kincaid take another step or not, they were both productive last year. To me, I don't even know if I need that. If you get three, I think you get one. Maybe it's not that simple. I expect that to be the case, though. If they draft, they find their way to Brian Thomas or Troy Franklin or any of Xavier Worthy, and that guy is really good right away. And I had a tweet on this yesterday that, like, in the last four drafts, we're talking about, like, a 75% hit rate on these first-round receivers. So if they do that and they hit on the receiver, I'm expecting Diggs to look like Diggs. 803-0550. Ron and Alden before the break. Hey, Ron. Hey, real quick, two questions. I don't know. Is there a site out there that shows you how many times Diggs would have been open, like like the last play of the game versus KC where he was wide open, and they did not throw to him? And secondly, didn't he get hurt in one of the games like in the middle of the season where people pointed out ever since then his production failed? And those are just two questions. I don't know. I thought I heard something about an injury, maybe Jacksonville or something, where he was hurt and he never looked the same after. And I think that's a bigger problem, though, than Diggs falling off the face of Thanks, I'll hang up. Thanks, Ron. There was the mid-foot sprain late in the season, but then there was also... He got listed with like a back injury at some point during the middle of the year, but yes. that was like only for one week. And if you follow on Twitter Bill's account, Thigh Doctor, there was also some evidence that maybe there was a, a bit of a was it a thigh injury or something, or like a, yeah. a leg and hip kind of issue, but they didn't really say it. And when McDermott was asked about it, he said, you know, nothing that would make a difference to my knowledge. So, you know. If if they want to use that as an excuse or as a contributing factor, they can say that. They just kind of didn't. 803-0550, to join us. Jeremy and Joe with you on WGR. You can give us a call. Eric Edholm from Mobile, Alabama, uh, on the Senior Bowl, coming up at 9 here on WGR. This is the Lombardi presentation music. See, Michael Strahan caught flack because at the NFC Championship ceremony, he attempted to talk to the GM before the owner. Wait, he asked John Lynch, like, John Lynch, you're here, you've done it. And then, like, oh, whoops, sorry, it's supposed to go to President Jed York. He kind of posed a question to John Lynch. Yeah. And you're not, you're supposed to interview the owners. Which, again, we. Do we say this every year? One of the weirdest things in sports is talking to the owners after they won the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's a pretty. I did they get the trophy first? Yeah, they get the trophy and they get interviewed on the podium. Hey, all right. The only sport that does that, right? Isn't it? Uh maybe depending on the owner. I don't know. I think the NBA gives it to the owner right away. But do they first. interview? Is the question? They don't interview him. No, no, no. Not that. Not that I know of. Yeah. Eight hundred three hundred five fifty. Jeremy and Joe, um, Senior Bowl week. Josh Allen golf season as well. He's uh, at Pebble Beach today for the, or maybe Spyglass today and Pebble tomorrow. Spyglass and Pebble, the two courses in the uh, Pebble Beach Pro Am, which features Brady, Josh Allen, Rogers, Steve mm-hmm. Young, Pau Gasol, yeah, and others. One thing just to round out our digs conversation from last segment, the. ESPN analytics, like their open score stats from this season versus last season. If you look at where Diggs really hit a cliff, I mean, he went down in terms of how open he was by this metric. He went from seventh in the NFL to 22nd. Okay. So he went down, but he was still, Good. in terms of getting open, like a, a legit number one. He was above Justin Jefferson. And getting open. And getting open. 
where he really went down is his catch score. Yeah, he dropped. Where, he, he had a lot of drops yeah, this year. He went from sixth to a hundred and twenty fourth. Oof. That that's where it really went down. That's a stat though. That's an area where I might want to predict you get an easier. To, you, you can get to positive regression, I think, a lot easier sure. than when, his ability to get open. When's the last time you heard that a receiver's game was gone because their hands didn't work anymore? Right. It just doesn't happen. Right. I almost I don't want to say he got unlucky, but like I kind of want to say that, that he just had a he had an unlucky season. He had, he, had a bad bad, so he had a bad year catching the football, and because he's been so good at catching the ball in the past, I, I kind of want to predict that he'll get back to it. There's one of the – I got one more follow-up thought to Diggs as well. Um, which is, as we go into this draft and talk tons of receivers, you'll you'll find a lot of conversations about contested catches. I want a guy that can be a contested catch guy, right? You'll see highlights of jumping up over a corner, fifty fifty balls, and all that. And I think that sometimes there's a bit of a misconception that the big guys are the guys that are the best at contested catches because it's not always true. Because Diggs. For the most for most of his career, Joe, he has been one of the top guys in the NFL at contested catches. So as we all, you know, pick through which receivers we like in this draft, don't necessarily assume contested catch means big guy, because there are plenty of guys that have not been huge monsters on the outside that are very, very good at contested catches. That's all. Eight oh three oh five fifty one eight 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 five fifty two five fifty. Tomorrow's Groundhog Day, and the Chiefs are in the Super Bowl. Next week is Super Bowl week. If you are going to Vegas, want to hear a list of parties that you can go to for the Super Bowl 58? If you had to go to one Super Bowl party, okay, let's figure out what you would go to. Which Super Bowl party? They're all in Vegas. So They're that's all good. in Las Vegas. I guess Vegas is usually a great place to go to in general. Everyone says for the Super Bowl. Now it's there. Have you never been to Vegas? Time. I've never been to Vegas. Got to do that. Does everybody have to go to Vegas? Yes. Is it a? Is it a? I mean, I've been. It's a must. Five times, I think. I think. I think it feels like. Yes, I feel like I can't. I can't live my life and not get there once, at least. Okay. I gotta see uh, Shania Twain doing a residency. <laughs> okay. Super Bowl parties next week. Which one would you go to? Mike Ditka and Ron Jaworski's Cigar Club. No. Don't even want to hear the description. I mean, I feel like I know what's Brian Urlacher will let be me, there. Let me guess on the description. <laughs> uh, high top tables, lots of cigars, and lots of conversations how analytics are ruining football. <laughs> right? That's pretty that's pretty good. Yep. Ditka comes in and he says, if you can tell me what neutral zone pass rate means, you can't come in the door. Yep. How about Shaq's Funhouse? In. Shaquille O'Neal hosting yes. a party that lives up to its name. He'll be DJing, yep. full carnival, games, rides, six hours of open bar and food. Yes! Yes! Snoop Dogg, Dua Lipa expected as Ooh, guests. That's a contender, too. Adam Levine also. Oh, these are guests. I thought it was a separate party. No, oh, these, yeah. these are all will be at Shaq's Funhouse. This is, this is the number one in the clubhouse right now? Definitely. All right. How about let's go to the the Madden Bowl that will have rapper Big Boy and a Madden Madden to play for everybody. Green Day also will be performing. Man, they're getting some ev- every, every, every one of these parties is like a big ticket like event. 
So basically, you play Madden and you listen to Green Day live. <laughs> uh, that's like time travel for me. I would just be going back in time. No, I'm still going to Shaq's party. How about Gronk Beach, hosted by Rob no. Gronkowski? No, I'm not going. <laughs> Lizzo, Russell Westbrook. No. Expected VIPs. Is that going to be at Mandalay Bay? Uh, I mean, if it's called Gronk Beach, I'm assuming it's there's at a, a beach. There's, there's a it's beach. At, there's, it's at a beach club at the Wynn in oh, Las okay, Vegas. Okay, they got a beach club, too. No. I'm, Not st- going. I'm still going to Shaq's Funhouse. This one is funny. Sports Illustrated, The Party. Even though I thought they shut down. BB Rexa, The Chainsmokers, Kygo, set to take the main stage. Still going to Shaq's Party. Okay. One more to try to get you off here, unless I can find one more. How about Guy Fieri's Flavortown Tailgate? Yes. 100%. No question. 15 restaurants, triple D specials, dozens of bars, tons of tailgate fun, surprise guests. I don't know if it says who the guests are, but country music. Guy Fieri. A Ferris wheel will be at Guy Fieri's Tailgate. No, I'm still going to Shaq's. Wow, we're not gonna get we're not gonna get you off of Shaq's party. Nope. Is there anything else here that I think there's so many of these parties that I could get you there? Mm, this one's got a picture of Jay Z on it. Flipper roller boogie Bal- palace big game. What words party. were just said to me? That's that's the, those are the list. Of the, those are the what words. are these people? Flipper roller boogie palace big game party. I don't know if that's a place or it's, a person. I, I don't know either. Hosted by Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg. I thought Snoop was guesting over at Shaq's party. They must be. It's on a different day, I think. Okay. Right. So Snoop's, Snoop's going to be around. Uh, coastal Mexican-flavored bites. Performance by Hardy and Diplo. These are these people you've heard of? How far are we from... College bowl games just becoming Super Bowl parties, like the Pop Tarts party. <laughs> just have the Pop Tarts party, and you can come eat the mascot. There, I would there, go to that. There's got to be a, a Pop Tarts uh, party here. That's this is this is a good. There's like 15 of these parties, so I don't see a Pop Tarts one though. We have an Uber party. They have their own party. Visa Cash App has their own Super Bowl party. The Formula One team from the soup the Visa hash. Visa Cash App Formula One team yeah. will have all of their uh, all of their racers there. Kendrick Lamar will be performing. All right. Still Shaq's Funhouse? Yep. Okay. Still going to Shaq's Funhouse. We can't, we can't get him away from that nope. one. Nope. Come on. Who's better than Shaq? Shaq is pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would trust. Right. It's about the person. I, would tr- I don't even need the description. You tell me Shaq's throwing a party, I think I would trust Shaq to throw a good party. I mean, he's DJing, so he's taking ownership DJ of it. DJ Diesel. That's right. All right, good parties. Oh, sorry, last one. They're the part of, actually, going back to the Sports Illustrated one, part of it is you can, well, do you have to win it? You get to golf at the SI Invitational Cup at the Country Club adjacent with guests that will be golfing. You could play with the likes of Max Crosby and more. Max Crosby, Justin Tuck, Michael Strahan, Pete Wentz, Kendra Wilkinson, and Fat Joe. Want to golf with them? No. All right, Shaq. I'm all right. Shaq's, Shaq's party. Shaq's the winner. Yeah. Speaking of Super Bowl parties. A.K.A. waste management parties. <laughs> waste management open parties. Yeah. I'm trying to think about, doesn't it feel like we, I don't know, it's the Chiefs again. 
who's in the mood to party? You guys yeah, should get together yeah. with friends and family like you might for Thanksgiving, but I think you gotta though. Yeah, right. You can't not. I I'm at a point in my life where I can't not go to a Super Bowl. Party. Okay, what am I gonna do? Watch the game at home by myself? Like, no, right. I don't want to do that. Not to disparage anybody that might do that. Me. That's I mean, not by myself, but we'll probably just watch at home with my, my wife and the kids will go to bed at halftime. I, I, I can't feel even... like I need the distraction of all the people around me and all the dips and all the snacks. I need that distraction so that I'm not just consumed by my frustration that I'm sitting there watching the Chiefs again. Yeah. I think I need the party. Would it? Are, are, are you going to parties where, where in commercial breaks people yell at everybody to quiet down so you can watch the commercials? Yes. Okay. And and especially the halftime show. There was almost a brawl Ooh. at the party I was at. Was it last year or two years ago? Because people were talking during the halftime show. Who was it that year? Uh, Rihanna. Did that have been last year then? Yeah, last year. Had to, had to hear it. Hmm. And it was good. But you just couldn't talk. It, it was like the holding up the quiet please signs at a golf tournament during the Super Bowl halftime show. Yeah, commercials too. Really, the the, the, the place you wanted to talk the most was during the game. Again, I need the distraction away from... I need all the distractions I can need. Squares, I need prop bets on what the Gatorade's going to be, I need the commercials, I need the halftime show, I need the friends, I need everything to not let me get annoyed that I'm watching Mahomes again. Again. Yeah. Again. 803-0550. The stat on the Chiefs defense, here it is for you, that it's an arbitrary number that's picked out, but... What do the Chiefs have in common with the Baltimore Ravens of 2000? The 2000 Ravens? The 2000 Baltimore Ravens. Uh-huh. It's number of games they've held their opponents under 28 points. The Chiefs defense, we spent the whole year talking about how their offense is not the same. Yeah. Because their offense used to score 30 regularly, and this year they don't. But this year their defense holds teams under 28 all the time. They don't have to score 30. And there's a point to be made there because let's talk for five seconds about the AFC Championship game. As you watched Baltimore and Kansas City, Baltimore pitched a second-half shutout on them, right? It was 17-7, won 17-10. Yep. I totally think if Kansas City needed more points, they would have had more points. They were running the ball consistently in that second half, fully believing in their defense. They played a whole half of trust the defense. And if Baltimore had scored to make that game 17-17 with five minutes left, do you have any doubt that the Chiefs that had been shut out for the whole half would have gone right down the field and scored? Like, when they need it, they just right. go get it. Yeah. Yeah, you have confidence in that they'll do it. Did but, their, you, but their defense often this year has made it so they don't need it. Did you know the Bills scored the second most points on them all season? In their playoff game. Yeah. There was only one time all year that someone scored more points on the Chiefs than what the Bills did last week. I don't think that changes my thought on the game at all, but it's it's more of a credit to maybe we were just asleep at the wheel at that defense. I mean, the the problem was they might not have been allowing all these points. Problem for them getting attention was Cleveland and Baltimore this year were doing historic things defensively. So maybe the Chiefs' defense flew under the radar because, like the the Cleveland defense, especially, but Baltimore too, were just on another level. That was like unbelievable how good they were. Yeah, eight oh three oh five fifty tomorrow Groundhog Day, and you know nine days until the uh, Super Bowl between the Chiefs or ten days, I should say. It's on the 
coming up on the 11th. Pro Bowl games. Don't forget about the Pro Bowl games. We get those too. Those are coming up. I don't even know what they are anymore. Hey, Diggs is going to Pro dodgeball. It's a great question. Will Diggs say something at the Pro Bowl that gets news? No, probably not. That gets spun the wrong way. (laughs) He'll do podcasts, too. Doesn't he usually do podcasts like during Super Bowl week? Sure. We'll get some content in the next 10 days. 803-0550 if you want to be a part of the show. Jeremy and Joe on WGR. Are you following the story about things falling out of the sky in North Tonawanda? Uh, n- n- no, no, you don't. You, you don't know there about are this. Things falling out of the sky in North Tonawanda. You guys don't know about this story. What does that? What does that mean? Like things from another planet? Uh, no. Is this the beginning of an alien invasion? I don't know about that. It's it's been tweeted. It's been stories on the news. News for Buffalo. Uh. That a strange situation in North Tonawanda residents in one neighborhood have complained in recent weeks of fecal matter landing on their homes. From from from, from the sky? And they are saying the city has been has tested it and said it's likely waste from an airplane. But come on. Yeah. But they that airplanes don't dump that stuff. So anyways, I didn't it's a little bit of a mystery at this point. I wouldn't point. think so. But it's happening like consistently? Uh, I think it's a developing story. This wasn't just like a a one-time thing? No. FAA is looking into it. I mean, that's the only place it could come from. Unless we are talking... Uh, You've got the story the FAA is ex- looking ex- into it? Extraterrestrial uh, yeah. beings, I'm just saying. Yeah. There you there go. There was a report from uh, Jeff Preville yesterday, News 4. The FFA officially says it is looking into reports from residents of fecal matter raining on their homes. Yeah. That's 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 one way to ruin your day. That. <laughs> you know, like, just walking down the street. And, yeah, I think that would, uh, that, would, that would do it. That would be worse than, like, getting a bird that pooped on your head. Yes. Because at least that one, you know where it came from. Right. You ever had that happen? No. Uh, no. They say it's good luck, and I think they say that just because right when it happens, you want, they want you to feel a little bit better. Like, oh, it's good luck. Have you had that happen? Yes. Was it lucky? Did something? Did you win, did you win anything immediately after? Not memorable, no. <laughs> the no. only mem- memory was that it happened? Yes. Hmm. Yes. Not on my head, but like on my shoulder or on my leg or something like a couple times. I think it's happened like once or twice. Yeah. Yeah, I've never had it. I don't even think I've ever had it come close. Eric Edholm, NFL.com, joins us on the other side. A little Senior Bowl practice chatter. We'll get to him. There's a story at ProFootballTalk.com from uh, Mike Florio about, or from Michael David Smith, about Tom Brady Sr. giving his thoughts on Bill Belichick. Yeah, this is good. Basically that he's a great coach, but his interpersonal skills are horrible. That's the bottom line. Mm -hmm. He runs a military system. It's a different generation. Worth mentioning... Michael Mike McDonald gets the job as the Seahawks coach. Yep. 36. Nobody even blinks anymore. No. Gerard Mayo, 37. Mike McDonald, 36. I mean, when McVay got a job, what was he, 30? 32, I think. McVay was the youngest coach for a while. He's still the third youngest coach. Yeah. And now, coaches getting hired young. It's just nobody blinks. Sean McDermott is 47, and he's the 10th oldest coach in the league. 
I mean, that's that's pretty and wild. He got, he got the job at then 40. He was pretty young. 40, 42. 40. Yeah, no, he wouldn't have 40. Yeah. I mean, this didn't used to... How? Uh, when did this start? Like five years? Was it McVeigh that started this? Where guys were get, starting to get hired in their 30s? Like, this def- did not happen that much before McVeigh. No, it? it used to be that you couldn't be a coach because you couldn't. You didn't have enough experience. And now guys just you know, shoot up the ranks much faster. And getting a job in your 30s is not unusual at all. Right. Whether that's these guys are more prepared or if it's interpersonal skills. I mean, would it, it, it might or it could be, be just teams just realizing that like you don't, there might've been a sentiment before of like, you kind of got to earn it. You got to earn your stripes a little bit. And now it's just, if we think you could do the job well, but you've only been on your previous position for one year, we don't care. Like we don't need you to do it for eight years yeah. for confirmation. You're a good coach. If you do it for two years, then we'll, we'll bring you right in. I think, I think it says a lot about teams and how they've adjusted. Well, Joe Brady is 34. If right. he has a great year with Josh Allen, he's a candidate. 34. Look at all the 30-year-old coaches. McDonald, Mayo, McVay, O'Connell, Steichen, Callahan, Ryans. All under 40 years old. All recent hires. Yeah. Like, Mike McDaniel is not even one of the 10 youngest coaches in the league. Makes you wonder. Or maybe who, he's right at 10. Like, Belichick getting hired would be... Such an outlier just because of hiring a guy that old. Right. Just kind of doesn't happen. Like right. who who's the oldest coach hired on this cycle? Um that's a good question. The oldest coach hired on this cycle is Antonio Pierce. And he is? Forty five. No, scratch that. Raheem Morris at forty seven. Forty seven. So you had a forty seven year old and a forty five year old. They were the two oldest. The hirings last year, it's Jonathan Gannon, Frank Reich. Yeah. Sean Payton's the oldest one. D'Amico Ryan's Shane Steichen. Like, Sean Payton would have been it. Sorry, I missed another one. Jim Harbaugh. Oh, of course. 60. Ah, there you go. 60. 60. That's an old hire these days. Yeah. Like, you just, you get a lot of guys in their 30s. All right, Eric Edholm, when we return on the Senior Boys down in Mobile, Alabama. We'll chat with him coming up here on WGR. It certainly didn't come across as imminent, but you know where there's smoke, there's fire too. I mean, and I trust Adam Schefter. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if Andy is considering it. I mean, he's definitely toward the end of his career. You know, I kind of believe in you know go out on top. So if yeah. he were to win and then he goes pondering it, I wonder if it might compel him to be more likely to retire and go out with the Super Bowl championship. But whether Bill winds up there or not, wow, that would be that'd be a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I would guess that that would not happen, but Shefty's plugged in, that's for sure. Sean McDonough there. Good morning, Jeremy and Joe, on Adam Schefter's speculation that mm-hmm. perhaps Belichick could replace Andy Reid. <laughs> we talk about personality differences. I don't know. There's a story at ProFootballTalk.com talking about Belichick's interpersonal skills running like a military style, and here I got Andy Reid wearing Hawaiian shirts all the time and in commercials yeah. eating chicken fingers. Yeah. Feels like they might have different personalities. Anyway, that's Sean McDonough. Jeremy and Joe, good morning. Happy Thursday here. We go to the Western Hotline. Eric Edholm joins us. He is down in Mobile, Alabama, covering the Senior Bowl for NFL.com. Eric, good morning. Uh, Good morning. I've got a little bit of the Mobile flu, so I apologize my voice isn't up to uh, radio quality here. (laughs) That's all right. right. You You sound good. How many How many Senior Bowls for you? A lot of these? Uh, Yeah. I I was trying to think, you know, your producer asked me how many I've been to. I think at least 10. I, I think my first one, I didn't go every year, but I think my first one was maybe the Joe Flacco group. Like, mm. 
2004 or five or something like that. Maybe it was before then. I don't know, but I would say probably ten to twelve is yeah. my is my number. Well, good that I can ask this question of you as you're down there. Do you think it has been gaining in? attention popularity this could be a social media thing of course it could be the nfl always being bigger and bigger and more popular because the senior bowl really kind of starts draft coverage for a lot of people and i I feel like the casual fan might be more plugged into the senior bowl each and every year yeah i think you're right about that i mean as you notice trends about which teams sort of dip into you know i think fans in general are are more dialed into to, to draft coverage too so it's like you know, if you you start looking, hey, our team has drafted two or three guys from the Senior Bowl every single year in the last five years, right? And I would think, you know, Brandon Bean's done a nice job of, of dipping into that talent and other people as well. I mean, you know, you start saying, hey, i got to pay attention to this game. And, and they've obviously branded it and marketed it as the draft starts in Mobile. And um, I'm sure that's a little bit of counter-programming to the other all-star game that's in Dallas, the East-West Shrine game, which is, you know, trying to kind of, go head-to-head with the senior ball a little bit. But, yes, I agree. I mean, it's a great place to watch 120 players up close. Now, I think the tough part is that even though underclassmen are now allowed to participate for the first time this year, true underclassmen, you know, you still have guys backing out. And you have injuries and you have, you know, people have postseason surgery who say, eh, I don't want to risk it, or I got to the national championship game. It's, you know, I need a layoff. I need some kind of break before the combine. So, Yes, I agree. It has increased in, in importance, but or at least in intention. But, you know, I think over the years it's also – there have been opportunities for guys to say, hey, I, I, I better not play because I don't want to hurt my stock. Too. Yeah. So it goes both ways. Which, you know, that might, Eric, might lead to uh, a better product is that the guys that do go there might be guys that are a little more likely to still have something to prove. Yeah, I think there's something about that too. And, and – you know, we had uh, uh, a number of interesting players that I think really helped themselves yesterday or in the day before, too. And, you you know, it's always interesting to see what the who stands out amongst this group and, and who's truly putting in the effort because I think there are always a dozen or two players that, you, that kind of stand out. And of that group, there has to be at least four or five where you say they absolutely helped themselves, right? I think it's more than that number. I'm just using that as an example where you say they came into this this week maybe as a day three pick and now we're talking about them as a top 100 choice or something so i sometimes that that slow leak of information is more on the 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 the, the pro side where the teams do actually think better of them but it, it, it comes out in mobile but i absolutely think that when they get on the field go head to head against some of the top competition it, it, it can't help it, but 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 improve your stock. Eric Edholm down in Mobile, Alabama, at the Senior Bowl. Eric here in Buffalo, uh, we are nonstop tweeting, retweeting highlights of all of the receivers that are available. It's a it's a big receiver class, and I think for the Bills, it's a big receiver need, and it's going to be a, a point of attention for us for months. So so far, the the, the guys that have showed up there in Mobile. There's a good number of names, and again, like these aren't even the the first class guys. This is the depth of the draft that's been impressing to this point in practice. Yeah, I think there have been some some decent receivers, and it's not necessarily the ones that you know. I guess I came into the week thinking certain guys would do well, and 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 some have have shown up. I mean, day one, I would say Lad McConkey from from Georgia, a player that I think some people know because Georgia's been in the spotlight the last three four years, and 
you know, been in, in contention for a national championship. McConkie missed a few games. I know a lot of people think, oh, that must be related to Phil McConkey. He's actually not. I've looked this up several times just to confirm. But, yeah, Lad McConkey is probably your, I would say, your best slot receiver down here. Um, there have been some other talented guys as well who have stepped up. Um, I wanted to see a little bit more from Devontae Walker from UNC, who was um, uh, Bay's quarterback there and, you know, but came in with, with – big accolades. I wouldn't say he's quite done that. It's been a little up and down. Uh, guys like Johnny Wilson, this massive target from, from Florida State, sort of a hybrid tight end wide receiver. Not so great per se, but better day two. And so, you know, we'll, we'll see after today's practice, but there have been some interesting some players. Ryan Flournoy from, from Southeast Missouri State has, has kind of stood out and gone up against some of the better corners and, and handled himself pretty well. And, and there have been others, too. So, I think it's a good crop this year. You throw in the underclassmen who are going to be available. It's going to push down a lot of the, the senior talent as well. So, you know, whether the Bills are thinking round one or round two or later, I, I, I think this is a great, great year to, to be looking for a wide receiver because you have kind of all different sizes and shapes at that position. The guy that's popping off at the Senior Bowl that you wrote about in Roman Wilson, we all just watched, watched, the, all just watched win the national championship for Michigan. Yeah. How good has he looked? What are we looking at for him as a prospect? And should it be surprising, I guess, that he has kind of been a lot of people's number one receiver through the first couple days of practices? Yeah, I thought he was better on Tuesday than Wednesday. I didn't focus on him yesterday. Or, I mean, uh, yeah, Wednesday. But uh, really fluid, nice sort of movement skills, efficient, gets open quickly, good hands, had a, a terrific catch yesterday on a poorly thrown ball by Michael Penix where he had a kind of adjust and stay in bounds and catch it one-handed, kind of curl it in. And you thought, I didn't see a ton of that at Michigan. I mean, he was great, but the volume was just not there. I mean, Jim Harbaugh ran a, you know, run first, run second, and consider throwing third as an option kind of offense. And, you know, I, I just – there were certain players, including J.J. McCarthy, who's going to be a fascinating study. It just – they're not getting the volume that you would normally see in a typical college offense. So – it shouldn't be shocking. I would say maybe his game compares a little bit to Khalil Shakir. You know, there might be a little overlap there, but, you know, it's not to say that both couldn't thrive on the same yeah. team. And he's obviously a, a fascinating guy, like you said, one of the better performers down here. It's funny, like you mentioned Shakir, and he's a guy that really broke out for the Bills this season, so, yeah. much, so much so that, you know, as we're talking about all these receivers that could be available, I mean, they're not taking slot guys off the board but I really feel like the Bills are set at that spot and, and are probably more focused on boundary receivers, which uh, of that class, there's a lot of good ones there as well. Yeah, I mean, and not all of them are down here. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, it, I, I think there's some, some talented wide receivers for sure, but I think the, some of the best guys are going to be obviously Marvin Harrison, Malik Neighbors, Roma Dunze, uh, and I think none of those guys will be available unless right. they want to trade out. You start getting into Troy Franklin from Oregon, uh, Brian Thomas, who is a uh, neighbor's uh, teammate at LSU. Um, you know, Walker, I don't know if he's quite in that group, but Keon Coleman would absolutely be somebody who could fill the, the Gabe Davis role. You know, I mean, big guy who can run, you know, very competitive. I think he's an ex-receiver who should be able to start at the next level. So, you know, and then it depends what you think of Adonai Mitchell, uh, I didn't think mm -hmm. Xavier Leggett has really, 
you know, he came into the week with some buzz and I think had a chance to maybe establish himself as that top kind of X receiver down here. I don't know that I've seen it yet, but he did have a better day yesterday. And, and he's more of a longer-term investment maybe, I think, at this point. I mean, we're, we're year one. I don't know what you, exactly what you get out of him. Yeah. Speaking with Eric Edholm on the Western Hotline. Let's move off receivers. I, I actually, I did. Someone did catch my that wasn't a receiver, which Eric is very difficult to do. But Missouri's Darius Robinson have seen a few that really want to like buy stock in in him as a potential um, defensive line kind of Swiss Army knife guy. How about the rest of the class outside of receivers? I know it's a it's a heavy offense class. People seem to think that between quarterback, tackle, and receiver that the numbers of defensive players in the first round will be low, meaning that you might get really good talent late in the first round on defense. Yeah, I think if you were to set the over-under on when the first defensive player could go off the board, like, I don't know that I would put it much higher than, or, you know, much lower than uh, eight, eight and a half, nine, somewhere around there. I don't know that we may only get one or possibly no defensive players in the top 10. I'm not sure we've had that. I have to go back and look, but it's shaping up like very top heavy on offense overall slanted more towards the offensive side. I think there is some talent at corner. I think safety is kind of a mixed bag at this point. Linebacker could be okay. Um, and there's some D linemen who obviously will stand out this year. And I think the, the edge position is a little stronger. You mentioned Robinson. He's really done himself a lot of favors down here. But, you know, Braden Fisk on the inside has looked pretty good. Uh, I'm trying to think of some other guys. You know, Tavondre Sweat, the uh, <laughs> Texas kid, is as massive as they come. You know, if you want that gap-plugging guy up front, you know, he can help shut down your run game. He's a big dude, 360-plus pounds. So, you know, there are some interesting body types down here, too. Are there any running backs that we're all going to get annoyed with up here that are getting mocked to the Bills in the first round uh, in, over the spring? I feel like I haven't seen, like, a name, like an ETN that you saw or, you know, the names over the past years where you go into the draft season like, oh, this guy's a first-round guy. Is that guy not exist, or are we just too early in the process for that? I don't think so. I don't think there's a first-round back this year. Like, last year – you could make a case for B. John Robinson. Like, even the people who said never draft a running back in round one had to admit B. John was a special player. And was he misused at times last year? Yes. Jameer Gibbs maybe had a little more suspicion. He obviously probably proved more doubters wrong even before the fumble in the, in, the, in the NFC Championship game. So, you know, both guys had resumes that I think will far surpass what we see this year. That's not to say there can't be good backs, but – you know, I, I think Brooks, the Texas kid, torn ACL in November. You know, there's really not that one clear-cut mm. top back. So we might have a year. There was a year a few years back we didn't have a back in the top 50. And I think that is probably more likely to happen this year, that same kind of deal where somewhere in the middle or, the, or you know, the fairly early parts of day two, you'll see the first one come off and then they'll kind of trickle off. But if they're more than – uh, half a dozen running backs taken in the first 100, 100 picks. I think I'd be a little bit surprised at this point. Eric at home, NFL.com, on the Western Hotline from Mobile. Eric, thank you for the time, yeah. and uh, enjoy the rest of the Senior Bowl. Appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, thanks you very much. Thanks for thanks for coming on. Uh, so one funny thing, Joe, player comps, you know, you, you got to be careful when you get a player comp because anytime you compare a prospect who 
a mm-hmm. Hall of Fame player. It can be dicey. They're fun, though. It is fun. I wanted to get you one because this actually got me. You know how hard it is to get my gaze away from the wide receivers? Mm-hmm. Really hard. So yesterday, Jim Nagy, who runs the Senior Bowl, right? Yep. he's the uh, executive director of the Senior Bowl, he tweeted about that Darius Robinson of Missouri. If I shared the player comp one of his American squad coaches gave me last night, it would change a lot of these first-round mocks I'm seeing right now. That's after one day of practice. So Brett Coleman, who does great NFL stuff, he's uh, he hosts the film room. Brett Coleman pointed out, for those that are curious on Darius Robinson, his pass rush win rate from different alignments. Uh-huh. From the 3-4 to four technique, 3-4 uh, he was a 13% win rate, 5-6, 18% win rate, and wider than that, a 19% win rate. What Brett Coleman wrote was, to me, he's a six foot five, 290-pound, 5-tech that can play edge in the nickel. And you know what profile that is? Is that... Who's the... Is Isaiah Simmons? It's J.J. Watt. J.J. Watt. Brett Coleman just basically... First, it's Jim Nagy saying, like, I don't want to tell you who he's getting comp to. And here's Brett, yeah. Brett Coleman saying, you look at his numbers, that's J.J. Watt. That's what J.J. Watt did. And like I said, All right. there, you know how hard it is to get my gaze away from receivers? Yep. If you were to tell me, if you were to tell me the Bills are going to get J.J. Watt in the first round and a second-round receiver, I mean, who wouldn't be, uh, of course, be well, like, that's fine. That's not, that sounds yeah, fine. That's yeah. a, I mean, a game wrecker like that, a Hall of Famer. Not to say, again, like, you don't want to do this to Missouri's Darius Robinson after one practice at the Senior Bowl, but that comp and that crazy body type and the ability to move everywhere, it's just whatever. I found it interesting. Yeah. You're right that you do have to be careful because... You have to be careful. I'm going back right now, and NFL.com, I think it's Lance Zerline, on every draft profile they put up for NFL.com... Player comps. They put player comps up. And the guy, you want to know the guy they put for Greg Rousseau? Who's, by the way, good player. Nice player. Very good player. You know whose comp was? Javon Curse. Julius Peppers. Okay. <laughs> like, if he's J.J. Watt, I'm in. They're, yeah. they're going to also take defensive line at some point. Yes. Right? There's sure. no, as much, as sure as we are that they'll pick receiver at some point in the first two rounds. I feel like I'm equally as sure that they'll pick defensive line maybe in like the first three rounds. Well, let's be real. If we were to rank their most important players that are leaving, mm-hmm. it's is Gabe number one and is A.J. Epinesa number two? I mean, Mike Hyde, okay. But, Mike, I mean, Mike Hyde's probably a pretty big one there. But the point is like they're losing a defensive end. This is a team right. that drafted Russo and Basham when they had Epinesa, right. and they signed Von Miller, and they had Von, Von came after sure. But, but I'm saying they but signed they had Hughes and they signed Mario Addison. Right. Like they had poured assets into it. It's it's a yeah. position that they often stay flush at. And where are they right yeah. now at defensive end? They're nowhere. Russo, Russo is the only one you can you can't trust Von. I mean, right. Von's but, there, but, but even if you could, that's only two. Yeah. And this is a team that likes to have four, five. So. I think defensive end is 100% in the mix in the first round, in the first or second round, and probably beyond that, too. Receiver, defensive end. What odds can I get on the Bills going in some order? doesn't matter which order. You, you the want, first two picks will be 
defensive line and wide receiver. You want an exacta box of, I want, of receiver yes. and defensive end. That's exactly what I want. Yeah. yeah. 803-0550-1888-550-2550. Now you got me going down a rabbit hole of old, because all these draft profiles I'm realizing are still up. So you can go back and see like what each guy was compared to at the official like NFL.com. Okay. Uh, I, want, I want some more of these. Player comparison. Who do you think Khalil Shakir was compared to last year? Fifth round pick. Or two years ago, fifth round pick. Who was Khalil Shakir compared to? Hmm. Tyler Lockett. You're not that far off in terms of the type of player. Right. I mean, slot receiver that can do a lot. Antoine randall Okay. That's that seems about right. Yeah, he's also you also have to watch out for this, which is there becomes a name that's too sexy not to say, where everybody wants to be this guy. The number of players that are oh. said to be Debo Samuel. Holy cow! Like I've I've even seen breakdowns. Khalil Shakir is diet Debo. He's like Debo Samuel. Yeah, and listen, he's nice, but he's not Debo. You know who that happened with in hockey? Of course, was Jonathan Taves. Yeah, everybody was going to be Jonathan, Jonathan Taves. Taves. Every yeah. player. Who do you pat in your game after? Jonathan Taves. My- I want to be like Jonathan Taves because you're really good, you're a leader, and you're not going to be counted on to score that much. Yeah. Like, you're I- not putting yourself with Crosby. I forgot who he compared him to. We had my brother on on Tuesday, and he compared somebody while I'm with us to Debo Samuel, and I scolded him after <laughs> for for tr- that su- such treachery. Where Who did Kyrie Elam get compared to? I mean, look Jalen up. Jalen Johnson, by the way. J- the best corner in football right, right now. Right, like, they, you go... I mean, is that what happens? Though? I mean, I guess Antoine Randall is not like the best receiver in football, but no, it's you, style. You go, you go for a big name guy for any draft profile. Like this is a blank type of player because you know if I compare Khalil, if I compare Khalil Shakir to a player no one's ever heard of, then, right. it, then it doesn't Russell, work. Russell Gage, sure. How many people even know what that means? Nobody. So I think that's that's happening here a lot too. Yeah, that's part of it. JJ Watt. But now you got me thinking about if they got a JJ Watt level player on the defensive line. It'd be nice. Can we count on Matt Milano being a game wrecker when he comes back? Yes. Okay. I right broken bone. Okay. I, mean, I guess so, I don't I don't know officially with knee what, ligaments and whatever, but like if it was if you told me it was a torn Achilles or a torn ACL and PCL or whatever, then I would have serious doubts. I feel like I don't have the same doubts when it's just the bone the bone broke. I think. That that's right. Yeah. Eight oh three oh five fifty. I had I had way more questions about Tredavious White. I wanted to get more comparisons for you. Who was I going to ask you about? Who do you want? Who do you want? A former Bills draft pick and who they got compared to? Go with Gabe I Davis. Could probably go really far back. How about Gabe, Gabe Davis? Give me Gabe Davis NFL prospect profile. All right, Gabe Davis's profile. He was compared to. So you scroll past all of his combine data here, and NFL.com doesn't want to work very well here. Terrence Williams. See, now that's, that's one. That's a tough one. Don't know who he is. Yeah. I mean, former I, I former Cowboy receiver that yeah. was like, what? He not, wasn't much of a player. No, not much. All right. 803-0550 if you'd like to join us, and one 888 Happy birthday, Harry Styles. We learned that earlier today. And maybe also Terry Styles. Maybe some. The there, maybe, yeah, who knows who Terry Styles is? Uh ESPN Plus, Pebble Pro-Am, Pebble Beach Pro-Am coverage starts at 11 o'clock this morning. I'm going to try and keep an eye on Josh Allen out there playing with uh, Keith Mitchell, playing in the same group with Tom Brady. Not enough publicity how Aaron Rodgers played it last year as a 10 and came back this year as a 4. Not enough. On a bad Achilles. Mm-hmm.
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I read that article about the Jets yesterday, about their dysfunction and everything. Was Peter, it, do you see Peter Bukowski's tweets on this from, uh, we've had him on the show, Locked On Packers and Locked On NFL? Yeah, that basically his suggestion was Rodgers has spent many, many years saying you can't trust the media so that when the media reports accurate stories on him, he can he can then again say you can't trust the media. Yep. Yeah, that's pretty much how it goes. Yep. All right. 803-0550 on WGR. Instant Trivia. Which is brought to you by the Farmer's Dog. Fresh human-grade dog food delivered right to your door. The Pro Bowl games this week. Making some headlines because did you see that Gardner Minshew is headed to the Pro Bowl games? Yes. Which is like, come on, what are we doing with Gardner Minshew as a Pro Bowler? I mean, if everybody's turning it down. Which is why. Yeah. Can you tell me who the seven... Active backup quarterbacks are in the NFL that have made the Pro Bowl. Trevor Simeon. No way, he turned it down. I'm going back up by, like, were they benched or a backup by the end of the season? So, like, when the regular season ended, was this guy number two on the depth chart? Mac Jones. Mac Jones is correct. Trevor Simeon turned it down. We know that. Correct. Uh, So he doesn't. I don't have him on my list. Okay. Teddy Bridgewater made a Pro Bowl? Teddy Bridgewater made a Pro Bowl, and he was the Detroit backup. I think Tyrod has made one. Tyrod is. I'm going to give you half credit because he did start week 18, but he was number two in the depth chart. Okay. So I'll give you half credit there because he was on the field. All right. Uh, There's another guy like that, by the way. Who did what? Who, like, wasn't really the starter, but played the final game of the year and had made the Pro Bowl in the past. Or had played the Pro Bowl. Which uh, is Tyler Huntley, by the way. That's not the answer to that, but nope. that, that is a guy. That is correct. Tyler Huntley, who was backup and made the Pro Bowl last year. Did Jameis make it? Jameis Winston made the Pro Bowl in 2015, and it was the New Orleans backup. Um, Tannehill? He's the other half-credit guy, because he played the final game, but he had been benched for uh, okay. for uh, Will Levis. Diet Josh. You have three to go. Three to go. Okay. Uh... Is Andy Dalton backing up anywhere? Correct. He was the backup in Carolina, and he made the Pro Bowl multiple times, played in it in Cincinnati. Okay. Two left. Two left. Backup quarterbacks to have made a Pro Bowl. Yep. That are active, of course. Yeah. Uh, One got benched. Hold on. Mitch Trubisky? Mitch Trubisky is correct. He made it with the Bears. Okay, Probably I got the same one year more. He was the uh, the MVP. Hold on, don't give me any hints. We we'll see right, if I no can we'll see if I can run this table. No hints. Okay. You even got the two half credit guys. Yeah, Tannehill and Tyrod. Let me go through my divisions. Who am I forgetting here? Instant instant trivia. How about instant trivia? Backup quarterbacks meets the Pro Bowl. I mean, this is <laughs> it shouldn't the list shouldn't exist really. No, this is this is February first. This is what this is what we do. Um, <laughs> all right, let me see. Bears. Derek Carr. No, he didn't get benched. He's still their number one. I take that back. I'm Correct. Not, he played. He played yeah. through the season. Yeah. I'm not saying him. He should have been. Uh, Garoppolo. Garoppolo is not correct. Mm. I don't have him playing in a Pro Bowl. Okay, he probably turned it down. Probably. Okay. Also, did he get he got benched? He did get benched. Yes, that's O'Connell. Right. Yeah. Um. All right. Still going through. Mm-hmm. 
Backup quarterbacks. Josh has his hand up. Yeah, is there like a Chad Henney in here? Sam Darnold? No on Sam Darnold. It's a bigger name than that. In fact, I might be willing to say this of all these guys, I think what all these guys might have in common, maybe not Andy Dalton. I mean, Joe Flack. No, he's no, he, nope. he started. All these guys, I think maybe other than Andy Dalton, got to the Pro Bowl because people turned it down. This guy did not go to the Pro Bowl because he turned it down. Or others turned it down. This guy would have just made the Pro Bowl. In fact, he probably would have turned down other invites. Other years. Hmm. So he's different than the rest of the names on the list, I think. In that yeah, way. yeah. Boy, I mean, is it Wentz? Nope. Wentz, I don't think. He got selected, but he didn't play. Probably because he like tore his ACL that year. Quarterbacks who have made the Pro Bowl who were backups this year. What conference? AFC. What division? AFC West. It's not Drew Locke. Nope. He's in the NFC West. Right, that's a good point. Did the Raiders. Man, you're close, though. Broncos. You couldn't be closer. (laughs) We know Trevor Simeon turned it down, not Trevor Simeon. Yes. People are screaming in their car right now. Denver. Denver's backup? Yeah, remember by the end of the year. Oh, you're saying Russell Wilson? Russell Wilson. Oh, he's no. I'm not. No, no, no. He got benched. What do you mean? No, he's not a backup quarterback. I said by the end of the year, benched or backup. No one was screaming that in their car. Yes, they were. Russell Wilson. By the end of the year, who was Denver's backup quarterback? Russell Wilson. Meanwhile, I see that some think he might be a good fit for Arthur Smith and Pittsburgh. Shouldn't we love that? Sure. Well, although is he's even at this stage, I mean, he was okay last year, wasn't he? He he's better than Kenny Pickett, right? I I don't like either one of them. I don't I don't think Arthur Smith is a good play caller at all, and I don't think Russell Wilson's that good anymore. But aren't they upgrading at both offensive coordinator and quarterback if they do that? Yeah. I just I would it's, not be if I'm a Pittsburgh fan, I would just not be excited by that. Like what what are we doing? Are we just trying to keep Tomlin's streak going of winning records every year? Is that all we're really trying to accomplish here? I feel like it's a sideshow in Pittsburgh where I'm just trying not to be terrible every year and that's really holding me back from ever getting great again. What's Russell Wilson gonna do in Pittsburgh? He's gonna win nine games. I'm looking up right now Deontay Johnson on Spot Trek. You want to talk about a good idea for the Bills? What's his number? Why, trying to trade for him? Yeah. Yeah, it's the last year of a deal for Deontay Johnson. He's a free agent at the end of the year. So never mind. That means it would be easier to acquire him, but you would have you, you would have you, to pay him. You would extend him and move yeah. his cap around. Deontay Johnson's very good. He has some drops issues, but he's I mean, in terms of getting open. You know, I mean, you know a fun stat on Pittsburgh? They just added Arthur Smith. And they have two receivers in the top ten of like the NFL's advanced metrics uh-huh. in Pickens and Johnson. Two of the top ten. And now it's Arthur Smith running the show. Let me let me just hypothetically put this out there. Receiver idea of the day. Instead of well, I don't even want to say instead of. You trade your second and you do a deal for Deontay Johnson. You do pay him, but I mean, the way extensions can work is the cap hit early 
is much lower than what the annual value is on average. So they do that knowing that by the time his big cap hits come into play, he's he's Diggs' age, he's 30, but you're hoping by that point that you can mesh that with a lower Diggs number somehow. Yeah. And, like, they could make that work, but it would be... It's more possible to me than, like, tr- it's more possible than trading Diggs. I agree with that. Is them acquiring Deontay Johnson and, and getting him at, like, a $6 million cap hit in year one because in year three it's going to be 20. Yeah, I mean, every idea is a worse idea than just drafting two. That's, just that's, just, that's just draft one. That's true. Right. It, it, it will fix everything you... <laughs> it'll fix everything? Is that promising too much? Maybe. But why would I give Deontay Johnson $20 million when I can just draft a receiver in the second round? Right. Let's do that instead. <laughs> right. Eight oh three oh five fifty. The Bills draft receivers first and second. We are having a parade. First and oh man. Yeah, parade. They they won't do that. You remember the last team to do that? First and second round receivers. No, I think it was two years ago. And I'm doing this off the top of my head, so it's possible someone else has done it. And I What's, missed it. Who was the team? Denver. Denver went Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton. Denver went Jerry Judy and KJ, KJ Hamler. Hamler. KJ Hamler, who's, who's now, on the Bills? Who's now on the Bills? Reserve future contract. Yep. All right. Major injuries for Hamler. Like he he might have ended up being pretty good, but he had like four in, like crazy injuries that I think derailed it. Yeah, he he also has again he can play football with it. He has a condition. I think he has pericarditis. Am I right about that? Somebody has that. Maybe yes, he does. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. He was diagnosed in July. Yeah. Yep. There you go. Um. Which yeah, you know he was waived by the Broncos with a non-football illness designation. Yeah. So. That's why he was available in the first place. Had a torn ACL with Denver before that. Um, hamstring injuries, surgeries, four to, uh, torn pectoral muscle. Like he just could not stay on the field when he was drafted. This was like a speed guy. Like he's five eight. He's a small speed guy. Not to say that I'm talking myself into KJ Hamler's any idea for the Bills. I just no. no. No, no one that's on the reserve futures list can be talked about as an idea to fix this receiver score. I don't I, care who it is. I agree with that. If it happens, it happens, but it can't, it can't be a plan. Extendo Sports coming up and uh, All-Star Weekend. All-Star Draft tonight. All-Star Draft tonight. And the All-Star Skills Competition, I, I can't... It's des- weird. I can't decide if it's a good or a bad thing. They've decided to basically cut half the players out of it. Only 12 yeah. players will participate. 12 players participate in the All-Star Skills Competition. I mean, why do we think they did that? Did they do that because there's only so many recognizable names in the league anyway? Why do we need to force Brock Nelson into some competition when half the country doesn't know who that is? Maybe. It it could be that. It could be streamlining the competition, trying to make it a real honest-to-goodness competition and uh-huh. I, like you have All-Stars that aren't skilled enough to do everything and they ended up getting thrown into one thing. Here's yeah. you know here's Darlene well, with the the hardest shot right that like, he did that last year and it made no sense like right. he was he was never going to win that no he was in it because they needed to put him somewhere right and they probably wanted to stop that and the players might be right with it too although it's worth asking so these twelve players are going to be on the ice will the other players be on the bench will they be in the building will there be a party suite where they're they're up in a booth because one somewhere? of the things about yeah. let, let's go to the home run derby. One of the fun things about the home run derby is often guys that are not in the derby yeah. are seated around the dugout, yeah. and, it, and it's it is an event for the sport. Yeah, and you can kind of celebrate and high five. 
And I don't think that they will ask the players that are not in the skills competitions to get in gear and get on the ice, but it's possible. Right. Like another example of that is think of the Vince Carter dunk contest videos in your head when he when he just flies through the air and does what he does. What's the f- what's the first thing they they turn the camera to? The players. It's Shaq on the sideline yep. holding with up a Kevin 10. Garnett going up like what, what? It's all the think- players in street clothes that are there in the first row yeah. watching. You can't. I mean. You're not going to put Darlene behind the glass in the first round. I don't think so. Shaq had a camcorder. Like, he was for home videos. <laughs> so they're hosting. Like, Shaq, this is on TV, it's like man. on his shoulder. Yeah, he's doing his own video. But it's a great yeah. question about how they'll how they'll do it with the rest of the players. Maybe somebody already knows that, and they'll send us along a, a link. But uh, eager to see how they do ultimately handle it. All right, Extendo Sports, then we wrap on WGR. Breaking sports news airs first here. Guaranteed. WGR Sports Radio 550, 2020 Sports. Extendo Sports. So Super Bowl 58 will have lots of cameras. Yeah, Yeah, they just posted a video of how many different cameras there will be. 165 cameras will be inside. What's the name of the stadium? Allegiant. Allegiant Stadium. Yeah. Yeah. So there will be. 165 in total, 24 4K zooms, 20 pylon cameras, 24 robotic cameras, 48 super slow-mo cameras, the first Nickelodeon simulcast, Mm -hmm. 23 augmented reality cameras, 6, here's the new one, doink cams. Doink cams. Yeah, this is where they bring Doink the Clown out from. You know who Doink the Clown is, do you? No, I do not know who that is. I thought you literally just made that up. Doink the Clown? Yeah, Doink the Clown. That joke. Wrestling? Yeah, that joke landed for 37 people listening right now. You guys don't have 37 listeners all day. Uh, Doink the Clown. No, Doink Cam is going to go on the goalpost. So if somebody doinks. You'll be able to see the ball go through the uprights or hit and go off from very close. Five sky cams and fly cams. Three drones. Do they have a designated Taylor cam? You know what? Probably. They one. I mean, there's if there's 165, I'm guessing one of them is dedicated to that. Yeah, the answer is is, uh, is going to be probably. I got an email from one of the betting sites that like sends their their lists around for Super Bowl stuff. The site that sent this email has 54 different Taylor Swift-related prop bets for the Super Bowl. 54. Okay. Like, like, like who will be shown first? Sure. Yeah. Taylor Swift or um, Andy Reid? Like, okay, so here, first person shown next to Taylor Swift. Donna Kelsey, Brittany Mahomes, Jason Kelsey, Ed Kelsey, Scott Swift, uh, Mike Tyson. Why is Mike Tyson on this list? So people like us read it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, more. Okay. This is like a more or less. Gr- uh, Grammys. Taylor Swift wins this year or Chiefs touchdowns. Love that one. Uh, Taylor Swift primary color on top at the Super. I mean red. Right. It's minus five hundred. Also, um, the Chiefs are wearing red and the Niners are wearing white, which is the exact same color combo they wore four years ago. And I think the NFL should switch it. So when we watch old Super Bowl highlights, we know which is which. The year the Chiefs wore white, the year the Chiefs wore red. Hmm. It's gonna look just like the same the, the game from four years ago. That's my that's my TED talk. You can bet on the cost of the engagement ring for Kelsey and Swift. 
Which, well, like... Let me tell you how many things I'm going to do in my life before I do that. <laughs> Watch Man in the Arena in full. Yes. That is correct. Maid of Honor, Swift Kelsey Wedding. This isn't even a Super Bowl prop. This is just a this is just a celebrity prop that like of event that you're predicting will happen. Hmm. Well, yeah, there's so many of these. Holy cow. Over there. here here's one that like is a real one you can you can think about though. Over under five and a half TV camera shots for Swift. Five and a half? Under. You go under? I mean, six is a lot. Yeah. And none of the games have had that many, and it's you know, it's the Super Bowl. What yeah. if Travis Kelsey has six touchdowns? <laughs> he might. Uh, yeah. All right. That's it for us. Thanks for uh, calling, listening, texting, all that good stuff. Yeah. We're back tomorrow for a Pro Bowl games football Friday and, no, a, and, a, and a hockey all-star game Friday. It's more of like a dodgeball Friday because that's what they do, right? They jump through tables and they, yeah, the Pro Bowl games. No chance I watch that. No, I'm, I'll, I'll maybe get a look at the skills competition for hockey and maybe even a little bit of the all-star game there. But no, I can't. I can't. The mo- I, the last mo- I want the last moment I ever watched live of anything Pro Bowl related to be Mac Jones roaring <laughs> into the open field for 70 well, yards. And I turned it off before he entered the end zone. I want that to be the last moment. Are you sure? Here's tonight. Tonight's the skills competition at the Pro Bowl games. Okay. Precision passing presented by Lowe's. Three quarterbacks from each conference. Accumulate points by hitting as many targets as possible in one minute. Then there's best catch. This has been pre-taped in landmarks around Orlando. The best catch features one player from each conference showcasing their creativity, inventiveness, and talent. Like you could probably, where Jaws pops out of the water, catch it in front of Jaws' face. I don't know, something like that. (laughs) Closest to the pin. Golf. With, with, With the football, though? No. Six golfers drive a golf ball as close to the hole as possible. High stakes. Starting off with a football in hand, each player will attempt to catch punts from a jugs machine. Each player that succeeds in catching the football without dropping the other footballs advances to the next round. Now that sounds like fun. Yeah. Come on, that's good. That sounds pretty good. That's pretty good. Then there's dodgeball, as you'd expect. Snapshots. Long snappers and centers showcase their skills by snapping balls at targets of various sizes and values. We got long snapper games. That's not that bad either. Yeah. I'm not against it. This does sound more entertaining to me than the uh, the NHL All-Star Draft tonight. Which is what? Just waiting around to see who gets picked last? That's basically what it's competing against? Skill competitions to watch on Sunday. Madden, head-to-head. They'll play Madden against I would each watch other. that. I would watch that before anything. I mean, I'm, I've got, like, on my social media, like, live Madden games that pop up all the time. Gridiron Gauntlet, a full-field relay between six players from each conference. Okay. Break through walls, under doors. You want you want your Pro Bowl ratings to skyrocket, NFL? Here's what you do. You go dust off and unlock the doors to the old American Gladiator studio, and you get those guys in there to play American <laughs> Gladiators. That would be pretty the cool. The next event yeah. on Sunday is the Tug of War. That's what you think. Then there's Move the Chains, the offensive and defensive lineman strength and speed competition. Each player's... Each team of five players must work together to move 3,000 pounds of weights. 
off a massive wall. Okay? Wow. And then there's kick-tack-toe. That one I've seen clips of, and that one I know I would like. All right, there's your Pro Bowl games. Hmm. Catch the fever. All right, Extra Point Show coming up on WGR. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.